Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. You can call this the new world order of wrestling, brother. Welcome to the Royal Ramble Wrestling Podcast on this Thursday, May 25th, 2017 here on itsyourradio.com. I am your host, Brian Senek. With me as always is the co-host, Ryan Mortaround. Ryan, how you doing, buddy? Hey, Brian. I'm doing pretty good, man. How about you? Doing pretty good myself, man. And we have a lot to get into, guys. A lot has gone on over the past week in professional wrestling. We are coming off a crazy weekend in professional wrestling, of course, the WWE had two big events go on that weekend. We had NXT TakeOver Chicago on Saturday. What a great show that was. As well as Backlash was on Sunday. Big stuff happened on that show, including the new, the crowning of a new WWE champion. So we got to get into our thoughts for both those shows. Also, we got to give our thoughts on what went down at Evolve 84 and Evolve 85. A couple of big matches went on that weekend. Zack Sabre Jr. was in two title matches. Did he successfully win both those matches? Is he still the Evolve champion? What about Matt Riddle's case? Is he still the WWN champion? So we're going to give our thoughts on that. Also, guys, continue coverage on the best of the Super Juniors tournament. We are now a week into the tournament. We're starting to get down to the crunch time of the tournament as we uh, see the point system going on, who are the leaders, who have been the surprises, uh, some of the great matches that have gone on. So we're going to continue our coverage on the best of the Super Junior Tournament. And guys, what's going to talk about what's going to go on this weekend? Um, big, big wrestling tournament going on this weekend uh, for Progress Wrestling called the Super Strong Style 16 Tournament. Uh, a couple of days ago, they revealed the bracket, so myself and Ryan are going to give you guys our thoughts and our predictions on who is going to win that tournament. Also, give me, let me touch on some of the news that went down with the upcoming women's tournament of the WWE. They have now officially named that tournament the May Young Classic, so we're going to get our thoughts on that. So, a lot to get into for the next two hours. Before we jump into all of it, guys, of course, you guys know the deal to follow us on social media. You want to follow us on Twitter, at Royal Ramble IYR. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Royal Ramble Wrestling. Follow us on the Instagram as well, at Royal Ramble Wrestling. If you happen to miss us live on itsyourradio.com, don't forget, hit the subscribe button. Check us out on iTunes and on Stitcher. We usually upload our episodes the day before, excuse me, the day after we we record the podcast. So uh, give us a rating as well. What do you guys think of our show? Are we doing a very good job? Do you like us? Don't don't you do you not like us? Give us your thoughts on how the show is going so far. We would like to hear from you guys. It's all about you guys. We want to entertain you guys every single week. So let's get right into it, Ryan. Um, where do we start? Because again, there was so much that went on this past weekend. Uh, we might as well start with Backlash. Um, and of course, the big story uh, coming out of Backlash. And when we look back at Backlash, you know, a couple months from now. And the most memorable moment from that show, to the dislike of many, like myself, but a lot of people loved the, the idea of this, and that was that Jinder Mahal is the new WWE Champion. 
Uh, both me and you, Ryan, both predicted that that was not going to happen. We just really couldn't see it happen. We just thought this was going to be a one-and-done deal, that Randy Orton was going to beat Jinder Mahal just like that, and then he's going to move on to a different opponent, possibly Rusev or anybody else. Well, we didn't get that. We got the opposite. Jinder Mahal, thanks, of course, in part to the to the, uh, the Bollywood boys, uh, defeated Randy Orton, becoming the new WWE champion. The quote-unquote Maharaja era has officially begun in WWE and on SmackDown Live. The question now is, how long is it going to last? Because I can't sit here today, Ryan, and say that Jinder Mahal is going to have a long championship run for a couple of reasons. Number one, there's no such things as long title reigns anymore in WWE. WWE is now in love with this hot potato type era now basically when it comes to their titles where the, the longest title reign you will possibly see now these days is about a two to three month title reign and then that's it you're done we gotta get the championship to somebody else or it could be a month it could be a week we don't know these days when titles are going to change hands just like this one randy warren became the wwe champion at wrestlemania he only held the belt for a month and a half jinder mahal is now the champion when will he drop the belt? Because there's a guy think about this, Ryan. Can Jinder Mahal survive as champion when there's so much talent on this roster on SmackDown Live? When he's going to have to battle Randy Orton. He's going to have to battle AJ Styles. He's going to have to battle Sami Zayn and Shinsuke Nakamura and Baron Corbin. And when Rusev returns. And when John Cena eventually returns. There's so much talent there that I just can't sit here and believe that Jinder's going to have a long title run. Now, in terms of him winning the belt, how do I feel about that? You know how I feel about this, people. I made my point very clear on the past couple of episodes that we've done talking about this topic on Jinder Mahal first getting this opportunity and seeing him as champion. All right? I have no problem with his talent. I don't. Some people just don't like him as a talent. I, I'm not one of those people. I think he's a good talent. He's a good heel. Uh, his microphone skills are getting a little bit better. Uh, he's got a very good look, of course. None of that is a problem for me. My issue with Jinder Mahal right now getting this opportunity and being the champion is that this guy has not earned that mark. All right, Again, he has been a lifetime jobber when it was his first run in WWE to now his second run. He has been a lifetime jobber. He has done absolutely nothing. To earn the opportunity. Now, yes, SmackDown Live is the place for opportunities, and I get that. You know, when, when you when you have that saying, you better back it up, and they did back it up by giving Jinder not just the opportunity to fight for this belt, but to hold on to this belt for, I guess, you know, who knows? Who knows when he's going to be champion for what what type of run is is he going to have? But still, you got you also got to think about. You know, what has this guy done to earn this opportunity? He's done nothing, all right? The best thing that he's done in WWE before this was that he was a part of a faction called 3MB, and they didn't even do a lot of great stuff. They were a jobber faction. They were a comedy faction. So, again, that's my problem with Jinder Mahal. If they decided to build this guy up week by week, start him up from the bottom, work his way up, and then get a title opportunity some point in the future, then I would have no problem with it. But they didn't do that in this case. They traded him from Raw to SmackDown, and right out of the gate on SmackDown, he became number one contender. 
And then what, three, four weeks later, he's the world champion. And I have a problem with that because they rush this. And I hate when they rush things. That's something that Vince does a lot. He tends to rush things in terms of stories, in terms of decision makings, in terms of pushes. Vince has done that a lot. He has rushed a lot of stuff. And I felt they rushed this with Jinder. Some people said Jinder's ready. I don't agree. I don't think Jinder is ready for this. Even though he looks ready and he's been solid so far, I just think this is not the right time for Jinder to A, get the opportunity, and B, to win the belt. So again, I, I was not all that pleased that he won the belt Sunday, and I'm not all that excited. I mean, maybe he'll prove me wrong. Maybe he'll you know, do some great stuff the next coming weeks on SmackDown. Maybe he has, he has a very good title run, but I don't see it being long because, again, title reigns, long title reigns don't exist these days. Everyone is basically holding the belt. The longest title reigns we now see are with two to three months. And I just don't think this guy is at a point right now where he could be considered a main event talent. Even though, yes, his match with Randy was not bad. Was it the greatest match? But it was not bad either. And, of course, the typical heelish way to win. You know, your buddies on the outside interfere. Leads to a distraction. And Jinder, of course, capitalized and got the, win- the pinfall victory. Once Randy hit the RKO on Jinder, and then Jinder, and then um, what the the the, the Bollywood boys pull him out of the ring, I knew that was over. I, I knew Jinder was winning after that. And of course, a few minutes later, after Randy just annihilated the Bollywood boys, breaking almost both their necks, the way he threw him onto the announce table, I'm surprised those guys did not get really hurt. Uh, even Randy was like, "Ooh, I, I, that was kind of a bad landing for him." Um, Right after that, you can you, you can just tell that Jinder was going to win this match. And, of course, seconds later, he hits his finisher. One, two, three matches over. And people were shocked. And I was shocked, too. I was like, holy crap. They're actually going to roll with this. And I'm on the side that I don't agree with. And I don't see this guy having a long title reign. Now, him and Randy are going to have a rematch at Money in the Bank. Does Jinder retain or does Randy get the belt back? I don't know. It's a toss-up because I can see both ways. I can see Jinder keeping the belt possibly the SummerSlam, and I, and I can also see the other side, where Randy Orton just beats him for the belt, gets his belt back, and then he moves on to another few with a Rusev or whoever wins money in the bank. So, again, with Jinder Mahal's case, congratulations for him. Does he deserve it now? No, I don't think he deserves it now. I just think Vince rushed this process, and he should have never done that. They should have, They should have been patient with this, built this guy up slowly, Start him out from the bottom, work his way up to a mid-carder, and then when the time is right, go after that world championship. But they didn't do that. First time on SmackDown, he gets the number one contendership. Four weeks later, he's the world champion. That's a lot of pressure on a guy like Jinder. When you're the world champion of a brand, that's a lot of pressure on you. And we and we would have to see how he can handle the pressure. But overall, was not too thrilled that Randy Orton is no longer champion and that the belt is around the waist of Jinder Mahal. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's pretty crazy that we're sitting here talking about Jinder Mahal as the world champion. Never would I ever think that we'd be sitting here talking about that. I didn't even think it was a possibility of even happening when this match, uh, you know, was going to take place. I mean, we both made our predictions last week. We said there's not a chance that Jinder Mahal becomes champion. We said one and done. That's it. You know, he's getting this match. He's getting this little push here just to push, you know, subscribers in India and, and, you know, uh, beef up the fan base over there a little bit. But wow, they actually pulled the trigger on this, and they're actually rolling with this. And I'm surprised, and then I'm not surprised at the same time, because again, 
you know, they put they they put him in this spot for a reason. Uh, and you know, the the fact that Jinder keeps uh, you know saying you know he keeps talking about the 1.3 billion people in India every single promo that he uh, you know talks about now. That's obviously you know. A statistic right there 1.3 billion people in india uh you know definitely watching because of jinder mahal so i guess wwe's you know uh mission was definitely accomplished with this but uh i mean i was shocked like you said brian when it happened i really couldn't believe it uh you know the the camera angles too showing the shots from from the crowd and and everybody was just i mean everybody was stunned and i think this goes up where up there with one of the most shocking moments uh next to you know brock lesnar ending the streak I really think so because, again, this was something that nobody predicted. I mean, really, who predicted this ever happening? Like you said, before this, he was nothing but a jobber. He, I don't even think he won one single match before he won the uh, number one contendership. He, Like you said, he had one run in WWE's first run, got released, came back, uh, and now he's in his second run. And all he basically did was put on muscle and have veins popping out of his body. And now he's championship worthy, according to uh, Vince McMahon, it seems like. But like you said, how long of a reign is he going to have now? Uh, you know, that's that seems to be the question. I don't know what direction they're going to go in at this point. I mean, I, I was so confident that it was going to be Randy Orton uh, defending his title against AJ Styles at, at SummerSlam. But now, who even knows? I mean, uh, Money in the Bank is in Randy Orton's hometown of St. Louis, Missouri. Are they going to give Randy the belt back for the 14th time? I could definitely see it, and then, you know, they'll roll with uh, things as planned with him and uh, AJ Styles at SummerSlam, but I could also see, like you said, Brian, with them rolling with Jinder Mahal all throughout the summer, uh, going into SummerSlam, and, you know, maybe he faces a guy like John Cena, I mean, who knows, but then again, you know, one more, you know, title win for Cena, and then he, you know, beats the record, so you really want that to happen at SummerSlam against Jinder Mahal, I don't think they want that to happen, so... If Jinder holds on to this belt past Money in the Bank, who does he fight? I mean, you can't really say Rusev because Rusev's a heel. The guys winning Money in the Bank, I mean, you know, the guys that are in there, unless it's like an AJ Styles, but again, I can't see them going with a, with an AJ Styles-Jinder Mahal match at SummerSlam. I feel like this has to be a big-time matchup for Mahal. So at this point, I have no idea what they're going to do. Uh, but wow, I mean, I just, again, I can't believe we're sitting here talking about Jinder Mahal as, as the world champ. And like you said, Brian, they rushed it too much. They didn't, you know, again, he has to win a couple of matches. They have to build this up for a couple of months if they were really serious about this. I mean, again, how are we supposed to take Jinder Mahal seriously when before he was number one contender, he didn't win one single match? And now he's beating Randy Orton on a pay-per-view and winning the WWE Championship. Again, it's just unrealistic because, again, you, you need to build this up for a couple of months. Heck, I would have even had him win Money in the Bank if you wanted him to become world champion. At least, you know, he can win the briefcase and then do what everybody else does when they win Money in the Bank and sneak attack the, the champion at the time and then go in for a cheap victory. And then there you go. That's a little bit more believable than him beating Randy Orton clean. I mean, I know that the Singh brothers got involved and whatever, and Randy was distracted, but for the most part, Jinder won clean. Uh, and it's, it's pretty crazy, like I said, that they're actually rolling with this storyline. Uh, again, it seems to be working, though. The fan base in India seems to be beefing up the 1.3 billion people. So uh, hats off to them. You know, when they want to get something done, they get it done. So we'll see what happens. Like you said, we'll see how long of a title reign he actually has. But as of right now, we have to call Jinder Mahal the WWE champion. It is surprising. I never thought, you know, once he came back over the summer that he would ever be WWE champion. I mean, I thought when they brought him back in the summer as part of this whole brand split uh, stuff 
that he was mostly going to be, a uh, again, either a jobber or, at best, a mid-carder. I never thought in a million years that he was going to become, at some point, WWE champion. But that's where we're at right now with Jinder Mahal. And now the big question becomes, how long will he be champion? Again, it can, it, it, he could be champion until SummerSlam or he can lose the belt by Money in the Bank. We don't know in this day and age with WWE. They constantly change titles. And the question now becomes, all right, when will he drop the belt? Because, again, I don't see Jinder holding on to this belt for a long time. I just don't see it because we're not we're, we're not in that age anymore where guys hold on to the belts for, what, 200-plus days going to a year. I mean, NXT is doing it right now with Asuka, and they're probably going to do it with the Authors of Pain and maybe Bobby Roode. But that's pretty much it. You know, NXT is doing that, but not SmackDown, not Raw. Every single month or two, we're seeing a title change. So, in terms of Jinder Mahal's run... Who the hell knows when that's going to end, so we should see what happens with that. Moving on to the rest of the card for Backlash. Uh, the match of the night was no shocker. AJ Styles and Kevin Owens had the best match of the night. I was disappointed, though, Ryan, in the finish. Um, I understand why they do it. You know, first off, to keep the feud going between AJ and Owens. And number two, it's a heelish way for Owens to win the match. He, you know, he stuck AJ's foot. It was stuck in the announce table. Owens goes back in the ring for the count-up victory. I just don't like that type of stuff on a pay-per-view. I mean, again, I get why they do it. It's the WWE, but when a match like that is going so freaking good, I want to see a better finish than that. I mean, if you wanted to cheat the way Owens cheated, have him blindside the ref, let him, you know, purposely attack that leg again, and I don't know, probably do like a roll-up pinfall. I, I, I don't know. I'm not an expert about this, but those types of finishes, when it like like that, what happened with AJ Styles, his foot stuck in the announce table, and Owens wins by a countout. After what those two guys did to each other for the past 15 minutes, I was not a fan of it. And I thought, you know, the match hurt a little bit because of the finish. But again, that's WWE's way of having heels go over faces. You know, we're never going to see a heel go over a face cleanly. And I'm not saying that Owen should have won cleanly. But I just think that type of finish is not necessary for a pay-per-view match like that, all right? Especially of how good it was. I mean, AJ and Owens had an outstanding match. Owens playing the heel, attacking the, the injured leg on AJ was so good. AJ continues to be an outstanding seller. Is there any better seller in wrestling today than AJ Styles? The guy just knows how to sell. Uh, and it was a very good match, back and forth stuff, some great spots in the match. But when you see that type of finish go down... I'm just not a fan of it. Again, I, I get why they did it, but it, it's just some it's just not my cup of tea. I, I don't like it. I don't like that type of stuff. Again, you know, if you're gonna come up with a with a heelish finish, I think you could have been a little bit more creative than what they did with that. So I was not a fan of that finish, but overall, awesome match was the match of the night. Um Shinsuke Nakamura versus Dolph Ziggler. We gotta talk about this. Kicked off the show, which, you know what? Didn't disagree. You know, you want a hot start to the show. Why not start the show off with your poster boy, with the guy that people are talking about, and that's Shinsuke Nakamura. So him and Dolph Ziggler started a pretty, uh, uh, not a long match, but it's uh, medium, basically. Uh, they got about 15 minutes of work, which is pretty good for an opening match. Um, I personally thought it was good. You know, Shinsuke winning, no surprise there. I was a little bit surprised of how dominant Dolph was. I thought Shinsuke would get a lot more moves in there, but Dolph was on him a lot. I mean, heck, Dolph landed all of his finishers basically on Shinsuke. He hit the Famouser, he hit the zigzag, he hit his super kick, 
and Shinsuke kicked that out of all three moves. So that tells you that they want to build up Nakamura as this guy that can go through so much pain and keep fighting. Um, but a lot of the a lot of the fans on Facebook on social media were not a fan of the match. They thought it was lazy. They thought it was slow. They don't like Nakamura's style, and they don't think Nakamura is what many people think of him as, as this superstar that's going to be a world champion. Well, you have your opinions, people, um, and this is not surprising, Ryan, because I, I had that fear with Nakamura is that a lot of people are not going to like his style because his style is different. It's not like your typical WWE style. Shinsuke is different, and that's what makes him unique. All right, People need to understand that. Shinsuke is unique because he has a unique character, a character that nobody can rival, and his style is different than anybody else's. And what's wrong with being different? No, Not every wrestler in WWE should be the same. They don't have to be the same. What makes wrestlers stand out sometimes, like Shinsuke, is that he is different. That's what I love about Nakamura. He's different than everybody else. He looks different. He talks different, he acts different, he wrestles different, and there's nothing wrong with that. But WWE fans are spoiled, and they want to see these wrestlers pan out the way they want to see them pan out. And with Nakamura's slow style, people I don't think are going to like this guy much. Even though, yes, his entrance is kick-ass, he's got the charisma, his in-ring ability to me is a concern because... We don't see that in WWE, all right? Almost every WWE superstar has similar qualities. Nakamura is different above everybody else. And will fans accept that? I'm not so sure. Now, I will say this, though, Ryan. Did they hype up this match? Did they hype up Nakamura too much? Yes, they did. That's why people were disappointed in this match, because the hype was so big Fans were expecting a classic. Fans were expecting Nakamura to be this megastar. And we didn't get that. And let's be honest though, people. We don't need to see that part of Nakamura yet. The man just started on the main roster. We're not going to see Nakamura's best until later on. Close to WrestleMania season is when we're going to start seeing Nakamura's best. Not right now. He's not going to give you everything you want to see. So people also need to learn patience. But again, there are fans out there that overreact. And they have a lack of patience. And that is just not going to work out well. So, I mean, again, I thought it was good. People did not like it. I don't see what the problem was. I mean, again, the only thing I could see is that they overhyped this too much. I do believe that. I mean, putting Nakamura on the poster uh, before his first match, maybe a little bit too much. They put so much hype into this that, again, I don't blame fans for getting excited. They wanted to see a classic, and we did not see it. But... Again, a fan like myself who has watched Nakamura for the past couple of years knows what he's all about. And I know that Nakamura is going to be fine, I think. You know, he's got the entrance. He's got the charisma. I do think the excuse me, uh, I do think they need to showcase more of his strong style. I don't think they didn't do a good enough job with that match of Backlash. They didn't show Nakamura's strong style. He's called the king of strong style for a reason. We need to see more of it. That's what makes him so great because he he wrestles a style that nobody can match. But I thought it was a good match. It wasn't bad. Again, I thought Dolph sometimes was a little bit too dominant, make it a fair uh, playing field. But I didn't think it was bad. I thought Nakamura's performance was very solid. It was a good way to kick off his run with WWE. But I do get where fans are coming from a little bit because 
when you put so much hype into this match and into that one specific character, people are expecting a lot from him, and we did not get that. But again, we're not going to see that. If you follow guys that debut in WWE, we're not going to see these guys be jolted to the top right away. Now, Finn was. Finn's the exception. But that's pretty much it. Everybody else that starts on the main roster, it takes them a little while to get the comfort zone, to get their, you know, for the fans to connect with them. And then when they're connecting with the fans and they start getting more comfortable on television every single week, then they start panning out. AJ Styles was the same way. I mean, AJ got off to a, a solid start. I didn't think it was a great start for AJ, but as time moved on, AJ developed his character. He got better on the microphone. Then we started seeing the real AJ Styles, and it happens to a lot of other guys. And it's going to happen for Nakamura as well. I do believe that Nakamura in the very end is going to be fine. People are going to like this guy, and he's going to be a great performer for SmackDown. But overall, his debut was good. You know, the entrance was great as always. The charisma's there for Shinsuke. And it was a good solid match, but I do get where fans are coming from and why they didn't like the match because they overhyped this too much. You can't overhype something like that too much, all right? Be patient with Nakamura. Be patient with this guy. He's money for you. He's going to be money for you. Don't rush stuff. And we'll see what happens with Nakamura. But overall, the AJ Owens match was very good. Best match of the night. And in terms of Nakamura's debut, I thought it was fine. But to according to some other people, they did not like it. Yeah, and like you said, you can definitely see where they're coming from on that. I mean, uh, again, Nakamura is, you know, way, way overhyped. I mean, if you know what he's like, I mean, like me and you, Brian, like we know Nakamura. We've known him way before he even entered WWE uh, from his New Japan days. So we knew what to expect. You know, you know, they hyped him up, but, you know, we got hyped because we know what he's capable of. Other people who have never seen him before, uh, you know, again, I could see why they were maybe let down a little bit. But, you know, like you said... Was the match good? Yeah, it was good. Uh, but was it, you know, this magnificent, you know, spectacular, you know, match of five stars? No, definitely not. Uh, again, you know, to me, looking at Nakamura in a WWE ring, you know, it, like you said, it's going to take time. And people need to be really, really patient with this guy. And, you know, I hope he gets his feet wet and I hope he becomes a little bit more comfortable in there. But watching him right now... He just does not look comfortable. And again, it's probably the WWE style. He's not used to fighting, you know, on on live TV, live pay-per-views, you know, that's going all across the world or whatever. He's probably not used to all this yet. I mean, it took him a little bit of time in NXT too to get his feet wet a little bit. And now on the main roster, I think it's going to take some time as well. Uh, again, you know, his talking too. I don't think they want him on the microphone that much because, yeah, you can understand him, but some of the words he mumbles, and you know, it's it's hard to make out what he's trying to say. But I mean, you get the overall gist after he's done saying it. But I don't think they want him on the microphone. And again, his in-ring style is just—he's got to adjust to the WWE lifestyle because, again, it's hard to explain, but it's just different. It's way different when you go from a company like New Japan Pro Wrestling and the way that they wrestle in Japan and then coming over here to see how they wrestle in the WWE. It's just so different. Uh, and, and again, like you said, Brian, it's just going to take time. People need to be patient with this guy because he is money. I mean, he is. He's the most charismatic uh, you know, superstar I think we've seen in WWE in a long, long time. Uh, again, I just fear for him and his future and what it could be like, uh, you know, for him, uh, for months and, and years to come, depending on how long he's in the WWE. But I, I hope the best for him and, you know, knowing Nakamura, 
you know, again, I, I think he will get through this. Like you said, AJ Styles went through the similar thing. But again, AJ Styles wrestled in the States for TNA for a long, long time. So it was a little different from him. Uh, Nakamura, this is a totally new ball game for him. He was used to just wrestling in Japan, and that was it. It was similar to Finn Balor when he came over here. All he was used to was Japan, Japan, the, the style that they wrestle in Japan. He had to get used to it, and now look at him. So, again, it's going to take some time, but I think, like you said, Brian, Nakamura will be fine in the end. Uh, just right now, he just looks a little, like, uncomfortable in there. Uh, and it's obvious. You can really tell when he's in there. So, uh, we'll see. But, like you said, the match wasn't bad at all, but I can understand where people are coming from in, uh, you know, the complaining. And also, too, Kevin Owens, AJ Styles. I mean, what more could you say about them? You knew that they were going to tear the roof off the place. I mean, they, they killed it. They abs had an absolute killer match. Best one on the card, in my opinion. But like you said, the ending kind of left a bad taste in your mouth. You understand why they do it. But like you said, why do it on a pay-per-view like this, you know? I mean, this is more suitable for if you're going to give a championship match on free television like Raw or SmackDown, that's when you do this kind of finish. You don't do it on a pay-per-view. When people pay money to go see this match... Uh, you know, again, people are watching on the, on the WWE Network. Again, it's just not something you do. And I get it. You need to keep pushing the storyline. Uh, I guess it's not over between these two, even though it seems like it is because they're both in the Money in the Bank ladder match. So it doesn't really look like their feud's going to continue. But again, you just don't like to see these kind of endings. Uh, luckily, it was a countout and not a disqualification because I hate disqualifications even more. Uh, but again, I mean, you know, the match was good itself, and I didn't expect the title change anyways. So I guess it is what it is overall. So, yeah, like you said, great match between those two and Nakamura's debut. A little underwhelming, I guess you could say, but, I mean, I guess people expected way too much. Yeah, they didn't because, again, they hyped it up, and that's something that WWE needs to tone down a little bit. You know, pump the brakes a little bit. I know Nakamura is great, but you do not need to overhype his debut. We, know, we all know he's good. Just be, you know... Keep your cool a little bit, all right? That's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, moving on to the rest of the card. Um, no comment on the six-woman tag team match between the Welcoming Committee and Naomi, Charlotte, and, and uh, Becky Lynch. No comment. I, you know how I feel about this storyline. It is the stupidest storyline going on on the SmackDown roster. It's hurting the women's division. The Welcoming Committee faction absolutely sucks for the reason that Carmella sucks. Uh, Natalia sucks. James Ellsworth beyond sucks. Tamina, again, we don't know much about her because she's in and out a lot. You know, when you think she's moving in the right direction, uh, she's either stuck in a stupid storyline or she, you know, tragically gets hurt. And now it looks like they're moving on to back to the title picture on SmackDown as they announced a fatal five-way match next week. Hopefully that um, kills this storyline because, again, this whole welcoming committee stuff, it's stupid stuff. It's lazy writing, it's stupid stuff, and it's the only way to get the rest of the women's division notice. And I get why you're doing it, but it's just not working out well. They need to they need to put focus back on the women's championship. So no comment on that match. Uh, Eric Rowan, Luke Harper was okay. I mean, I don't know where their story's going. I think Luke Harper deserves better. I'm not a fan of Eric Rowan. I'm not a fan of this character now, this different look for him, the, the different ring gear, the different mask he wears. Not a fan of it. Luke Harper, though, is underrated. He deserves better. Uh, so hopefully he has a better storyline moving forward. Uh, Zayn beating Corbin was a surprise. I thought Corbin was going to win that match, but good for Sami Zayn. He needs to pile up some wins. Uh, they're still playing him as this underdog, which is fine because, look, he's not the biggest of guys, but he's got a huge heart. The guy never quits. Good, solid win for him. Um, 
And I also got to say this to the tag team title match. Uh, uh, I thought it was fun. You know, a lot of people didn't like it because it, it was too goofy. It was too uh, comedic. And I can see it. It was too entertaining a little bit. But let's be honest, man. Breezango, the fashion police, whatever you want to call them, for Breeze, you know, like our boys at, at TSS Wrestling like to call them. These guys are over. All right, because don't forget, at Backlash, they were wrestling in front of a crowd of Chicago, Illinois. And Chicago is known for being a hardcore wrestling fan base, like here in New York City, like in Philadelphia, like in Los Angeles, California. Chicago is known for a hardcore fan base. And usually when you see goofy gimmicks like Brizongo has, where they're the fashion police and, you know, they... You know, they do this these weird, crazy stuff, you know, have the fashion files and all that stuff. You would think that the fans would not buy into it. They would boo them, like, all oh, these guys are a joke, blah, blah, blah. The fans loved Brizongo. I couldn't believe the, when I heard the fans chanting Brizongo. I thought the fans were going to be all for the Usos. Because the Usos are like, are like what we like, you know. They're hardcore tag team now. They have this different attitude. We love that about the Usos. They're perfect heels. And I thought Brizongo was gonna get booed out of the building because these guys are just goofballs. But it was the opposite. The fans liked these guys. You know, they were cheering. You know, when when freaking Tyler Breeze was dressed up as an old lady. You know, people were cheering. Let's go, Grandma. You know, when he brought out the 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 mop. You know, people were cheering for the mop. Breeze and, and Fandango got a pretty damn big ovation. And I should tell Vince something, that these guys are over. These guys are entertaining. These guys are fun. Give them a push. Now, in terms of what happened in the match itself, again, was it too entertaining? Yes, yeah, somewhat. I thought it was a, still a fun match. There were some good moments. Usos winning was no shock. And then, of course, we had the rematch on Tuesday, and again, the Usos won. Wasn't all that thrilled that the that the fashion police got the rematch right away. You know, keep building this story up. It's been going very well. Did not like that they rushed that, but, I mean, who knows what happens now? You know, with, with, with the Usos now 2-0 and against uh, the fashion police, you have to assume that the Usos are going to be moving on the face of New Day, as the New Day are going to come back on SmackDown very, very soon. They were just on Talking Smack, so they're inching closer to debuting. And we all know when the New Day come back, they're going to be right in the title scene. What does that mean for the Fashion Police? I mean, I think they go back to where they once were. They are going to be jobbers. They're not going to be used on television. And that's a shame because, again, these guys are entertaining. The Fashion Files were great bits. They did every single week. Very funny stuff. And then they were over in Chicago. And again, Chicago is a hardcore fan base. It's tough to win over the fans there, especially with the gimmicks that both Breeze, uh, that Breeze and Fandango have. They were over in Chicago. So if that tells you something, I'm hoping that SmackDown finds something for both Breeze and Fandango because they're too entertaining. They should be on television doing some good stuff. But now with them 0 for 2 against the Usos, they're not going to get an opportunity anytime soon. The New Day are going to come back, and that leads you to the question, what is next for Breeze and Fandango? And that's a shame because these two guys are fun to watch. So again, for the rest of the card, welcome to committee match. Don't care whatsoever about it. It's a stupid storyline. Harper Rowan was meh. Good win for Harper, though. Uh, Zayn winning over Corbin. Nice win for Sammy. And surprisingly enough, Breezango is over with the fans of Chicago, Illinois. Which probably tells you that these guys could be over anywhere. Because, again, Chicago is a very tough place. I mean, Philadelphia will give them a challenge because 
I think Philadelphia is the biggest hardcore fan base in wrestling. Of course, dating back to the ECW days where, again, those shows were filmed in Philadelphia. And, of course, you have Ring of Honor tapings there all the time. Philadelphia is a hardcore fan base. So if Breezango can get over in Philadelphia, they can get over anywhere. But overall, for Backlash itself, it had its great moments. It had its head-scratching moments. But overall, very solid pay-per-view for, for Backlash. Yeah, I actually didn't watch the show live because I really was not into the card at all. Uh, we talked about it last week. It was very underwhelming to me. You know, two matches stood out, the Nakamura Ziggler and the um, Kevin Owens and AJ Styles. So I skipped it live, but obviously, you know, caught up and, and saw the results before I actually watched it myself on Monday. And um, it was actually, like you said, very, very solid. You know, again, no really... You know, terrible complaints. I mean, again, was it the world's greatest pay-per-view? No. But you know what? For WWE pay-per-views nowadays, you know, again, they have so many. They have one, like, every two weeks now because of this brand split. So we're getting a lot of pay-per-views. And with the WWE Network and all the content they have... It, they don't put too much effort into their pay-per-views anymore. It's obvious. I mean, back in the day, they used to try and you know bribe you to order the $50 pay-per-view before the network. That's why the, the storylines were better, the matches were better, and they didn't do any stupid you know count-out you know, victories and disqualifications like this. But nowadays, they don't have to do that because everybody has the network. And again, they just become so lazy, I feel like, with booking these pay-per-views and, and their storylines. But again, like you said, Brian, it was solid for the most part. We just mentioned the big-time matches, but let's get into the mid card and the you know obviously the uh middle portion of the show like you said luke harper and eric rowan nothing to talk about there good win for luke harper but my god i mean that match was the only one that was putting me to sleep out of all of them good win for Sami Zayn against baron corbin that was really really uh good for him uh, i feared for Sami in this uh feud but looks like he's coming out on top he's getting uh, you know two wins now over baron corbin what does that say about baron corbin i don't know uh, what are they doing with this guy? I mean, it looks like they're just wasting him away. They don't know what to do with him. Hopefully, things change. Money in the Bank is right around the corner, and he is in the match. So we'll see what happens for, with him moving forward from there. But not good sign for, for Baron Corbin as he loses you know, at Backlash to Sami Zayn. Then he lost again on SmackDown, so not good stuff there. The Welcoming Committee versus Charlotte, Becky, and Naomi. Like you said, Brian, stupid storyline. Uh, the Welcoming Committee is just... It's it's just laughable. Nobody cares about it. Focus on the women's title picture, which is more important. Uh, again, they got a victory, a shocking victory, really, because I thought they were going to win. But if you remember my prediction, I said Charlotte was going to turn on on her team, and that did not happen. They they beat you know um, they beat them clean. Natalia put Becky into the sharpshooter, and she tapped out. So a surprising victory from there. But it looks like they're moving on from that. We finally got, you know, next week a fatal five-way elimination match for the, you know, number one contendership. And then there's rumors of about a women's money in the bank. So hopefully we move, uh, you know, away from this welcoming committee crap and start, you know, focusing on what's more important, uh, you know, which is the women's title. And, uh, you know, I, again, uh, what was the, what was the other match I missed out on? Sam uh, Zayn, Uso, Baron Corbin. Usos and Brizango. Usos and Brizango. Yeah, like you said, for the most part, very entertaining. I mean, Tyler Breeze, you know, changing his, his costume into uh, an old woman, basically. You know, it's funny stuff. Again, if you're not entertained by that stuff, I mean, really, I don't think you should be watching WWE nowadays because, again, they have to incorporate some comedy things here and there. Like you said, they were really over with the crowd in Chicago. Like you said, a tough place to get over with. Uh, you know, I never thought they were going to win that match. Obviously, they didn't. But I would like to see more of them as well, even though it looks like their current push is over. 
again, they're a fun tag team to watch. And again, they have great chemistry together. And what's Fandango going to do without Tyler Breeze? What's Tyler Breeze going to do without Fandango? So it works. It's perfect. They're they're a perfect duo. So I thought for the most part that match was very entertaining as well. And for the match itself, it, it, it shocked me more than uh, I thought it would because I didn't think it was going to be as good as it actually was. So uh, kudos to them for putting on a good, solid performance. But like you said, overall, Backlash... Pretty solid pay-per-view. Not the best, but definitely not the worst I've seen. And then we move um, a day before, basically, on Saturday. Uh, a show that was not solid, but freaking outstanding. And that was NXT TakeOver Chicago. I-, I will say this right now, Ryan. That will go down as one of the greatest TakeOver shows in the history of NXT TakeOvers. Uh, we've now gone, what, two and a half years now of seeing NXT TakeOvers happen on the network. Uh, there's been a lot of great ones. Uh, TakeOver Brooklyn, the first one, was a classic, and that was a TakeOver that actually put NXT on the map. Uh, TakeOver Dallas, the night when Nakamura and Austin Aries debuted. Uh, American Alpha became tag champions, and Asuka began her title reign as women's champion. That was a classic uh, TakeOver. So was TakeOver Toronto, but man... Takeover Chicago was something, man. I mean, I mean, we knew from the start with the match card that they put together that this ma- that this show had the potential to be an absolute classic, and it was. It lived up to the hype. Uh, we'll start off with, of course, the big thing that happened in the main event. So, for the first time in Takeover history, the main event match of a Takeover show was not the world title match. Uh, Bobby Roode and Hideo Tommy was actually the fourth match. So. And the fifth match was the tag team ladder match. So when you saw that, when Bobby Roode and Hideo Tommy were going on before the tag team title match, as a fan, you knew something big was going to go down in the tag team ladder match. And the one thing that we all kept thinking about was Ciampa turning heel on Giant Gargano. This is where they're going to do it. And that's exactly what happened. The ladder match itself was awesome. Uh, kudos to both DIY for really keeping this match going because you can tell out there that Alters of Pain were confused on how to utilize the ladder. They did not do their to the best of their ability to utilize the ladder. DIY helped carry the match. They made Alters of Pain look like a million bucks. There were so many great spots in the match. It was drama. And, of course, AOP won in the match. No surprise there. And then when the match is over, we're all sitting there. We're waiting. We're just waiting for it, for it to happen. These two are hugging in the ring. The pans are going crazy. Oh, my God. You guys are awesome. You guys lost, but you guys gave a great effort. We love you guys. And then they cut to another replay of the match. That replay ends, and now you see DIY on the stage. And, again, they got you know their arms around each other. They're hugging, and they're thanking the fans. And then on the bottom screen, the, usual, the, the thing that pops up, I don't know what it's called, you know, to basically tell you that the, that the show is over, pops up. So I'm sitting there, and I'm like, holy shit, we're not going to see a heel turn. And then, bam, two seconds later, Ciampa throws Gargano into the stage, the, the, the setup, the, the backstage setup, and there's your heel turn. Ciampa turned heel on Johnny Gargano, which was a long time coming. And this will go down, Ryan, as one of the best heel turns that WWE has ever pulled off for a simple reason. In this day and age now, when we see a heel turn, Fans cheer. Goldust turning on R-Truth. The fans cheered for some reason. I'm not sure why. The Goldust heel turn meant shit to me. But usually when we see heel turns happen in this day and age, the people cheer. 
when you know Triple H turned on Seth Rollins and gave the belt to Kevin Owens last summer, people cheered. You know, when we saw Seth Rollins, you know, betray Roman Reigns and Dean Ambrose, half the people cheered. But still, he had some cheers when Seth turned on the Shield. And we saw other constant heel changes for the past, what, three to four years. People cheer. This was different. When Ciampa turned heel, people were booing. And that's when you know the heel turn executed perfectly. And, and, and for us fans, Ryan, guys like me and you who follow this stuff closely and follow the storylines, dating back to last summer when these two guys, Ciampa and Gargano, had their first round match in the Cruiserweight Classic, when Ciampa was the heel and Gargano was the face, you can just tell after that match was over that a heel turn was going to happen. The question was when. And we thought at the time that it was going to happen to take over Brooklyn. And, and when they lost at a revival, we thought after the match was over, Ciampa was going to do it. He was going to turn heel. Wasn't the case. They waited. DIY became champions. A couple of months later, they were more over than ever. They lost the belts quickly. And then when they lost those belts, week by week by week, you can just sense something was going to happen between these two. That these two were going to split up. And it finally came to a head at TakeOver Chicago. And I got to say, Ryan... They executed that heel turn perfectly. It was fantastic. People were booing. I was loving it. Even though, yes, part of me is upset that we're no longer going to see DIY together for now. Maybe at some point in the future they reunite. But for now, we're not going to see them together. And they were fun. They were fun to watch together. They had great chemistry. They were over with the fans. You, you know, you just you, you just couldn't hate these guys because they were so over. They had, they had so much heart, so much fight in them. And now it's over. And people were booing at that heel turn. I was loving it. Because I know how good Ciampa could be as a heel. And I know how good of a face Giant Gargano could be. I watched these guys on the independents. Gargano is going to be an excellent babyface. He already has that connection. He talks well. The fans chant Johnny Wrestling. He's over. And for those who want to see how good of a heel Ciampa is, go back to his Ring of Honor days. When he was the Sicilian psychopath. When he was the psycho killer. And he aligned himself with Truth Martini. Watch his promos. This guy is nuts. He's insane. And I'm hoping with this heel turn that he will be that same character. Because that's the best of Tommaso Ciampa. That's, that, you want to utilize Ciampa the best way? Make him that character. Make him the psycho killer. Guy that goes out there to hurt people. And that's what he did to Gargano. He hurt him badly. His facial expressions were tremendous. The last spot where he did the white noise off the announce table through through another bunch of tables. And then he's just sitting there staring at Gargano when the EMTs are helping Gargano. That whole heel turn was was just perfect. Executed to perfection. And now, this is going to be the feud of the summer. Gargano versus Ciampa. It's going to happen in NXT. Will it translate to the main roster? Probably, because rumors are now coming out that these two are going to be on the main roster very, very soon. Um, That's why they did this whole split, because they wanted these guys as singles competitors. And I don't blame them, because yes, they are a fun tag team. These guys were just put together, because NXT at the time, when when these two guys came in, they needed tag teams. 
In real life, though, people, if you watch them on the independents, they're singles wrestlers. They've always been singles wrestlers. Gargano has been a singles wrestler his entire career before DIY. Same goes for Tommaso Ciampa. And now they're going to get their singles runs in WWE, and I'm looking forward to it. People are doubting it, that these guys are not going to succeed. I'm not sure if I agree with that, because these guys made a huge name for themselves in NXT. Why can't they make a name for themselves on the main roster? And I'm looking forward to this feud. I really am. This has the makings of one of the best feuds in the history of NXT because the story's strong. The, the chemistry that these two guys have is incredible. The matches they're going to put together are going to be very, very fun. And people had such a huge connection with these two guys that they're going to focus on this feud. They want to see how good this feud's going to be. And I'm telling you right now, people, this feud is going to be epic. So, again, a tremendous way to end the show. Again, I wasn't all that thrilled that they ended the show with the tag team title match, but I said, if they hit this heel turn to perfection, then this is going to be a tremendous way to end the show, and that's exactly what happened. It was an outstanding heel turn, one of the best heel turns I've seen in wrestling in a long, long time, and trust me, people, you thought Gargano and Ciampa were great as a tag team, watch them as rivals, this is going to be one of the best feuds in NXT history, it really is, and I cannot wait to see it. Uh, Ryan, are you there? Uh, some connection problems with Ryan right now. Is uh, waiting for his take on this whole heel turn of Gargano and Ciampa. We're gonna cut him off right now and uh, you know focus on some other stuff right now. Um, I'm not sure what happened there. Uh, Ryan's uh, Skype connection recently has not working that well, so hopefully he can get a, get it fixed up and we hear him again. But uh, again, you know, Ciampa Gargano, tremendous heel turn, and here's Ryan calling right back. Ryan, are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? Uh, yeah, all right. So uh, your thoughts on this whole uh, Gargano Ciampa stuff that ended TakeOver Chicago? Saying, wow. I mean, what a freaking TakeOver. Definitely my favorite one since the first TakeOver Brooklyn. Uh, definitely one of the most memorable ones we have seen. I mean, so much happened. It was just incredible from top to bottom, from the opening bell to the last, you know, uh, bell, from the first match to the last Unbelievable, just epic, absolutely epic. Like you said, I mean, uh, when I saw that this match was main eventing the show, now obviously I just figured it wasn't just going to end with the Authors of Pain retaining and it going off the air. You knew right when this was you know, main eventing that something was up. Uh, a lot of people on Twitter saying Adam Cole was going to come in. Again, that makes no sense. Where is he going to come in? Why would he come in during a tag match? It made no sense. I knew that this had to be the split up between Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa. I mean, it was inevitable, really. What more could they do as a tag team, really? I mean, there weren't... Once they lost these belts, once the Authors of Pain, you know, you know, won them, there's no way that these two were ever getting this tag belt back. I mean, they put on epic matches with the Revival, even with the Authors of Pain. Epic matches as a tag team, but it was meant to happen. They were meant to break away, and they've been destined to be enemies ever since that match uh, in the Cruiserweight Classic, one year ago, over the summer, probably one of the best matches of that tournament. Uh, those two guys killed it. They killed each other. I mean, it was just incredible. And I knew that Triple H was going to have to take advantage of these two guys, uh, you know, going at it as rivals. Because how could he not? Who does not want to see this feud? I mean, it's epic. Like you said, after one heel turn, it's already epic. Like you said, it was done to absolute perfection. Everything that, you know, Ciampa did to Gargano, 
uh, just vicious attack. I mean, really. And again, the white noise off the announce table, uh, onto more tables. I mean, it was just incredible. It was just unbelievable, literally. It, I, you know, you don't really see great heel turns executed to perfection nowadays, but that was definitely one of them. Just a tremendous job by both of those guys. Like you said, Brian, they have tremendous chemistry, whether together or against each other. They are just meant to face off with each other. They're like Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, basically. So mm -hmm. I'm hyped to see this rivalry. Like you said, it's going to go all throughout the summer. Hopefully, uh, you know, they add it to the TakeOver Brooklyn card in the summer. I think that would be perfect. I know uh, Tommaso Ciampa is out with an injury for a little while, so hopefully he's not out for too long. Uh, and they milk this thing all throughout the summer because I can't wait to see, like you said, the epic matches that these guys have, the chemistry that they have to go and, uh, you know, add it together. Tommaso Ciampa is going to be a tremendous heel. I mean, I think he's more suitable as a heel. And Johnny Gargano was a face uh, just because I've seen Ciampa's heel work, and it is tremendous. Uh, of course, you know, the psycho killer. Uh, he's just he's made to be a heel. I mean, he's a good face as well, but, uh, you know, he's definitely meant to be the heel in this feud, so I can't wait for it. But as for the match itself, too, with the Authors of Pain, that ladder match, that was incredible. Uh, hats off to both of those teams. The Authors of Pain, I was, you know, curious to see how they were going to do in the ladder match. You know, of course, I think this was their first one. They had never really wrestled in these type of gimmick matches, but they really did good. I got to say it. I was very entertained by that match, uh, and it was worth it for the main event because, uh, Again, like you said, it was weird when you know you found out that was going to be the main event. But they definitely delivered a big time fight feel, uh, and it definitely made that main event uh, very, very special. So, yeah, I mean, tremendous heel turn, tremendous match, and it went off the air, uh, leaving people just going wow. And that's exactly what uh, you know a card has to do nowadays. Yeah, you, you want that shock value, and that's what it was. People were shocked. I mean, I wasn't that shocked. But again, those are fans out there that are like, holy shit, this is actually happening. It happens, and it leaves people speechless, and that's a great way to end the show. So an outstanding moment for, for that aspect. Um, for the rest of the show, it was tremendous. And when we look back at TakeOver Chicago, of course, we're going to remember this heel turn from Tommaso Ciampa. But we're going to remember another thing. And that was the UK title match between Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate. A match that both me and you, Ryan, said was going to be the match of the night. It just was. If these guys are given enough time, they are going to put together the best match of the night. And boy, did they ever. I mean, holy shit. There have been so many great takeover matches in the history of takeovers. Whether it was Nakamura, Zayn, Zayn versus Neville, Bailey versus Sasha Banks, 1 and 2. Um, you know, the Revival versus DIY Takeover Toronto. Those are some of the greatest matches in the history of TakeOvers. This match is right up there, if not the greatest TakeOver match of all time. I'm not going to say it's the greatest. I do believe that Nakamura Zane uh, and the Revival versus DIY and even Sasha Bailey were a little bit better. But it's right up in the conversation. I mean, first and foremost, bravo to both Jim Ross and Nigel McGuinness. Outstanding commentary for this match. All right, These two guys... They don't work together often, all right? Nigel's done a lot of stuff with Ring of Honor over the past five years. Jim Ross has been in and out with Japan and doing some other stuff. This has been like their first time working together. Tremendous chemistry. Awesome stuff. So bravo to those two guys. The match was given, what, I think it went, what, 15, 20 minutes in between. A good enough time for them, especially for it to be the second match on the show, to get about 15, 20 minutes. That's perfect timing. And, man... The amazing part is, Ryan, with these two guys, which is still mind-boggling to me, 
One of them is 20 years old, Ryan, and the other is 23. I'm 22 years old, so I'm two years older than Tyler Bate, and I'm one year younger than Pete Dunne. And these two guys right now are living the dream. They're wrestling for the WWE. They're facing each other all throughout the entire world, in the United Kingdom, in the United States, wherever you want to name it. These guys are making names for themselves. And that was the theme of this match. Make a name for yourself. Remember that quote Triple H gave Pete Dunne back at the UK tournament when Pete Dunne attacked Sam Gradwell? And then the WWE exclusive, when they show Pete Dunne backstage at that show, Triple H looks right at him and said, make a name for yourself, kid. And that has stuck with Pete Dunne ever since then. And Tyler Bate as well. And these two guys made names for themselves in the biggest way possible. I mean, the chemistry these two guys have is through the roof. Pete Dunne is an outstanding heel. Tyler Bate is a tremendous face. And these two guys put together an absolute classic. It's, and, and what made it so great was that it, there were so many different styles used in this match. It was technical. There was tremendous in-ring psychology. There were some high-flying spot moments. I mean, you can name any style, and you saw a glimpse of it in this match. I mean, and the stuff that Tyler Bay pulled off in this match was mind-boggling. To see him hit a freaking spiral tap, a move that I have not seen used by anybody other than AJ Styles, who made that move so popular in the early days of TNA, I jumped out of my chair when Bay hit that move. It was incredible. The pace these two guys were working at was incredible. It started out slow. But as the match got, you know, the match kept going and going, it got faster. And moves were getting pulled out out of nowhere. Whether it was Dunn hitting the X-Plex or Bay, you know, doing the, the airplane spin. And the way he did it so fast was so incredible. And the best part was, Ryan, and why this match was so great. It's because the fans bought into it from the get-go, all right? Usually when you see a match go down, it doesn't take the fans until midway to later in the match for them to get into the match. But right before this match even began, when they showed both these guys' faces on the Titan Tron and they played the vignette, their their promo of the lead-up to this match, the people were into it. And you can tell when the fans were into it from the very beginning that this was going to be a classic. And it reminded me a lot of Nakamura versus Sami Zayn. It had that same feeling. Two guys that the fans adored facing each other. The atmosphere was electric. And before the bell even rang, the fans were excited. We don't see that in wrestling a lot, especially in WWE. People don't get excited for matches until the middle portion to the end of the match when things get interesting. Right from the very beginning, when this match, when the bell rang, the people were standing. The people were cheering Bruiserweight. They were cheering Mustache Mountain. They were cheering British Strong Style. They were cheering Tyler Bate. And right from the beginning, you just had a feeling that these two guys were going to tear the freaking roof off. And they did exactly that. So, and, and let's not forget, Pete Dunne, the new UK champion. Again, no disrespect to Tyler Bate. I love Tyler. This kid is so freaking talented. But if they're serious about this UK show, Ryan, Pete Dunne is the better face of that show. All right? not, not a face, a heel, but you know what I mean. The face of the show, like Neville. Neville's the face of 205 Live. 
Pete Dunne is a better image as being the face of that show than Tyler Bate is. No disrespect to Tyler, but Pete Dunne has it all. The guy's an outstanding heel. He's a tremendous wrestler. The guy can do it all. The fans love this guy even though he's a heel. The people love his talent. And, man, that match was just so exciting, man. One of the greatest takeover matches that I have ever seen. It was so freaking good. Again, Ross and Nigel, outstanding job on commentary. The chemistry that these two guys had was incredible. The atmosphere was electric. The spots these two guys pulled out were just tremendous. And a tremendous ending as well, too. When Tyler Bate jumped over the ring ropes, uh, Dunn hit him with the forearm, quickly throws him back in the ring, boom, hits the better end, matches over. The whole thing was outstanding. Was it a perfect match? No, there's no such thing as a perfect match. But this match deserved the recognition it deserved. It was an outstanding matchup. One of the matches of the year. Probably the best match right now in WWE this year. I don't think there's any there's, there's been any better match than that right now. And it's going to be one of the matches of the year when we do our end of the year sh- uh, end of the year award show by December. It was just an incredible match. And like you said, other than the Ciampa heel turn, if there's one thing you're going to remember from this show, it was this match. It was the match of the night. It was the match of the weekend. And it was one of the matches of the year. So again, bravo, Pete. Bravo, Tyler. You guys put on the classic. And you guys did one big thing. You made a name for yourself. And I'm looking forward to seeing these two guys face each other a lot more often in the future. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, again, we, we said this was going to be match of the night. I think a lot of people said that. And they definitely delivered on that, uh, you know, promise. It definitely was match of the night. And like you said, Brian, probably one of the matches of the year. You know, it's tough to say it was the match of the year. I've seen a lot of people throwing that around on on Twitter and stuff. Uh, But those, I guess, are the people that just watched WWE. Because nothing is going to beat Kenny Omega and Kazuchika Okada. I mean, nothing. There is absolutely nothing that could beat that. Not even this match. But in terms of WWE match of the year, uh, you know, in terms of top five match of the year... Oh, that's definitely on the list, by far. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Like you said, the chemistry that those two guys have is incredible. I mean, it literally is absolutely incredible. And the fact that they were in Chicago, the fact that the crowd was into it from beginning to end, like you said, uh, just every single move going, oh, oh, like it, it adds to the excitement. It, it makes you more invested in it. It makes you want to just jump off the edge of your seat. So the crowd definitely helps that. And, of course, like you said, Jim Ross on commentary, he told a terrific story. I mean, only Jim Ross can do that best. I mean, he is the best in the world. There is no there's no doubt about that. Jim Ross, he calls the action like nobody else. Of course, ha- having Nigel McGuinness there, definitely a nice touch as well. Uh, and having these two guys in there just absolutely killing it. Move after move after big time move after big time move. It was just incredible. Like you said, I mean, Tyler Bate doing the corkscrew 450. I mean, like you said, I jumped. I was like, oh, my God. Like you said, this kid is 20 years old. Pete Dunn is 23. I mean, I'm turning 22 tomorrow, for God's sake. I'm. What am I doing with my life? These two are out there killing it in the middle of a WWE ring on a takeover in front of a sold-out uh, All-State Arena in Chicago. I mean, it's pretty incredible what these two guys accomplished. They absolutely made magic in there. And who could forget about Pete Dunne becoming the new United Kingdom champion? Well overdue. I thought Pete Dunne should have been the first ever UK champion. But you know what? It worked out best that he won it here in this big-time match that everybody's going to be remember, remembering and talking about for you know uh, the rest of the year. It's a good thing that he won it here and not you know at the uh, UK tourney. So it all worked out for him. 
he's like you said, Brian, he's the perfect face to have for this UK show. No disrespect to Tyler Bate, but Pete Dunne is just a natural-born heel, and he's very entertaining. He, you know, again, he when he's on the screen, it's must-watch because you don't know what the hell he's gonna do. So I think you know them basing the show around him, it's the perfect, perfect uh, combination. So. I mean, what more can you say? I watched the match like five times already, and every single time, I'm still in awe. So, uh, just incredible from start to finish. Congrats to those two guys for accomplishing something really big. It got a lot of buzz on Twitter, too. I know Steve Austin even even tweeted about how good the match was. Got a lot of people watching, a lot of eyes on that. And I think those two really helped out this UK show, because I think after this match, for people that didn't watch the UK tourney or whatever, they're going to start tuning into this United Kingdom show after seeing what these two guys accomplished. So hats off to them, and uh, congrats to Pete Dunne on winning the United Kingdom championship. I mean, yeah, possibly with this match, I think more people might have more eyes on the UK show. I'm still of the kind uh, that, th- that, these two, that these types of wrestlers, the Pete Dunne's, the Tyler Bates, even the Trent Sevens and Mark Andrews deserve better than to be on their own show. I mean, again, you know, Pete Dunne's the UK champion, but just imagine this guy is the NXT champion fighting guys like Aleister Black. I mean, man, an, an Aleister Black versus Pete Dunne match would be insane. Uh, Drew Galloway versus Pete Dunne. Pete Dunne versus Adam Cole. Those are matches that we want to see, but we may never see it because Pete Dunne is doing his own thing on the UK show. I mean, again, you know, NXT needs tag teams who doesn't want to see Mustache Mountain in NXT as a tag team? Let Seven and, and Tyler Bate chase those belts. Let them face the Authors of Pain. Give them a battle. Let them face Heavy Machinery and give them a battle. Uh, Mark Andrews, he fits perfectly with 205 Live with his style. So, again, it may add eyes to the product. It may add, We may see more viewership now for the UK show, but I'm still one of those people that says, that's great and all, but... but Pete Dunne should be doing this, and Tyler Bates should be doing this, and Trent Seven should be doing this, and et cetera, and et cetera. So, again, though, those two kids, man, Bates and Dunne, what a match. It was just so freaking good. Those guys, outstanding stuff. Match of the night, match of the weekend, and one of the matches of the year. As for the rest of the card, uh, Roderick Strong versus uh, Eric Young to kick off the show was outstanding. Roddy looked outstanding. Um... Hell, he hit the freaking he, – he ended the match with the end of Heartache. That's a finisher that he made famous on the independent scene, all right? He, he has not used that finisher once in NXT until TakeOver Chicago. Hopefully that's his main finisher for the rest of his WWE run because I love the sick kick. It's a great finisher, but end of Heartache is his natural finisher. He used it. It was awesome. And hopefully that leads to bigger, better things for Roddy because, look, Roderick Strong – you can make a case that he's the best in-ring worker, not just in NXT, but in WWE, other than AJ Styles, all right? Roger Strong is so freaking smooth, so freaking good in that ring. He cannot have a bad match with anybody. What's going to determine Roddy's fate in WWE is his charisma, is his character. And we're still at a point with Roddy where we don't know what his character is. But we're starting to get a glimpse of it because of the, the recent stuff they've done with Roddy with his real-life story. And with that real-life story coming into play now, with them showing how he grew up, how he got into the business, people are starting to get a better understanding of who Roddy is, and they're starting to appreciate this guy. I mean, I, Chicago, again, is a hardcore fan base. They know Roger Strong well because he's wrestled there a number of times in Ring of Honor. So when he got the pop, no surprise, he's over in Chicago. And hopefully, 
with his performance over Eric Young, we see bigger, better things for Roddy because he deserves it. It's going to be tough with, you know, guys like Drew McIntyre there, guys like uh, Alistair Black there, guys like Adam Cole going to be there very soon. It's going to be tough for Roddy to get into that picture, but, man, he's killing it right now, and he had a great win over Eric Young. Um, the, the, the Bobby Roode Tommy match was very good. People didn't like it. I loved it. I thought it was very good between Roode and Tommy. Uh, for the big reason being that those two guys sold perfectly with their injuries. Uh, Bobby Roode was facing a arm injury, and Tommy was facing a leg injury. And every single time they they delivered a blow to each other to those specific body parts, they sold it perfectly. It was outstanding stuff. Uh, Roode winning the match, no surprise whatsoever. Again, Hideo Tommy's a great talent, but he's not going to be the one to dethrone Bobby Roode. It's going to be Drew McIntyre. I am sold on that. From now until they announce the match, McIntyre is going to be the one. They're going to face each other in Brooklyn, and it's going to be Drew McIntyre becoming champion. Maybe they throw a curveball. Maybe it's Aleister Black, but I just don't see it. It's going to be Drew McIntyre. And in terms of where Tommy goes from here, I mean, we saw a glimpse of what's going to happen with him. Uh, as after the match is over, they had the WWE.com exclusive of him and Tashis Ono getting into it a little bit. As Tommy, of course, was throwing stuff backstage. He was pissed off that he lost. Ono's trying to calm him down. Atami's getting in his face. So we could see an Ono-Atami matchup down the road. Hopefully that can benefit both guys. Because let's be honest, Cassius Ono has done absolutely nothing uh, since he came back to the main ro- came back to NXT. Uh, other than his title match with Bobby Roode, that's, not, that's it. Ono's done nothing else significantly. So hopefully uh, an Atami feud could help out both guys because they need it. Uh, and in terms of the women's match... If there was any match that I didn't like from that show, it was that match. I'm not saying it was a bad match. It was a good match. But when I had to do the rankings from 5 to 1, that would be my last match on the show that was not the greatest. And for the simple reason that the finish was underwhelming. And that has been the theme now with these Asuka matches. Asuka is, to me, the best in-ring performer in the WWE in terms of the women. All right, there's nobody better than Asuka. Her character is tremendous. This whole reign has been tremendous for her. She's dangerous. You know, the, her character has been tremendous, and she's played it perfectly. But over the past couple of takeovers, I'm not sure what the hell is going on, but her finishes have not been good for the simple reason that she she has not won a takeover match with the Asuka lock since TakeOver Toronto. So she's gone through three matches at TakeOver shows where she's won without using the Asuka lock. Now, she tried to use it in this match with Nikki Cross and Ruby Riot. She failed, and she won the match with a Shining Wizard, which is a great move, but that's not her finisher. Her finisher is the Asuka lock. Why isn't she using her finisher? That's the move she's starting to make famous. That's her finisher. That's been her finisher since day one. And now we're going on to three TakeOver events where she's not used that finisher at all. She beat, uh, in the Fatal 4 match with Royce, Billy Kane, Nikki Cross, she beat uh, those three, but she pinned Payne Royce using a kick to the head. Did the same exact thing versus Ember Moon to take over Orlando, and now she beats both Cross and Ruby Riot thanks to a Shine Wizard to Ruby Riot. I mean, I'm not sure what's going on, but these finishes are ending so abruptly, and they're not ending with her finisher. I want to see someone. I want to see Oscar win 
with the Oscar lock, not with a kick to the head, not with a shining wizard, because that's not her finisher. If it is her finisher, then let that be her finisher. Don't continue to tease the Oscar lock if she's not going to use it to win. That's my problem. For the match itself, it was good. Ruby Riot looked great. Nikki Cross looked very good. Oscar was being Oscar. But for the third straight takeover event, the finish was not great because Asuka did not use her finisher. She's got to start using her finisher. I'm sorry. Even though, yes, a Shine Wizard's a great move, that's not her finisher. Her finisher is a submission hold. Why isn't she using it? She has not used that finisher to win the past three takeovers. And when she used that finisher last to Mickey James, even before she got the chance to lock in the finisher, Mickey James was tapping out. So that was another poor finish. They gotta be better with their with their finishes. That's just me. Alright. Asuka's been tremendous. Her title reign's been awesome. Is it ever gonna end? Who the hell knows? But let's be honest, Ryan. The finishes have not been good in her matches. They got to be better. And if they are get and if they do get better, that's great. But we've not seen that now for what, five, six months? The past three takeover events where she's wrestled, her finishes have not been the greatest. So again, not a bad match, but if if there was any weak spot in the match, any weak match on that card, it was that match. But overall, again, guys, like I said before, Takeover Chicago will go down as one of the greatest takeovers of all time. We saw one of the greatest heel turns in Tommaso Ciampa. We saw one of the best matches of the year with Pete Dunne versus Tyler Bate, and throughout the show, we saw great action, and we saw good booking as well. That's another that was another reason why. This show was great. The booking was strong. Every decision they made, no problem whatsoever. Other than the Oscar match, every finish was very, very good. And it, and it made for a great show. And it will go down as one of the greatest takeovers in NXT history. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with that. Definitely, by far. Like you said, one of the most memorable takeovers that we have seen in quite some time. I mean, it had a little bit of everything. As far as the uh, Oscar match goes, I totally agree with you. The finish was very abrupt, but I wasn't shocked because, again, like you said, it's a recurring theme now for Oscar's matches to end this way. I mean, I think going all the way back to take over Brooklyn, uh, you know, to last summer when she beat Bailey just off of a kick to the head and Bailey was out cold. And again, it, you just. You just don't think the match is actually ending when she does these things. So it's kind of like, oh, wow, the match is over already. And I don't like when that happens. I like when you could tell the match is ending by the guy coming up and, and doing his finisher. And, and then, bam, that's it. One, two, three. It makes it more exciting. But with her, I mean, like you said, she, she won with the Shining Wizard. Like, great move. Not, nothing against it. But that's not what we've seen her win matches with. So why is she randomly winning a match that way? You know, to me, it doesn't make sense. So, yeah, I mean, like you said, if there's one match on this card that I didn't like, it was definitely that one, by far. I mean, not to mention that I didn't think for one second that Asuka was losing the belt, but that's besides the point. Where do they go from here with Asuka? Uh, wow, I mean, uh, good luck to whoever's booking this stuff, because I don't know where you go with this. Ember Moon, is she even going to be ready by TakeOver Brooklyn? Even if she is... I don't understand how they can book that rematch and have Ember Moon go over Asuka. They need to build Ember Moon up to be this dominant challenger who we, you know, they have to make us believe that Ember Moon has a chance to beat Asuka. And right now, I don't see anybody that has a chance beating Asuka. At this rate, they might as well have her, you know, have one last title defense at Brooklyn, defended against who the hell knows. 
if she wins, have her vacate the belt and then go up to the main roster. Because literally at this point, she should just go up undefeated. I just don't think Ember Moon mm -hmm. really is a realistic possibility to beat her. I really don't think so, unless they really beef her up and really make us believe that and build up this character. I mean, they have a couple months to do it, but again, I don't know how long she's out with injury. I don't know who's going to beat Asuka. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens, but yeah, like you said, Brian, very under, uh, underwhelming finish to that match. Again, not a move that she should be winning matches with, but oh well. She's still the champion. Uh, we all knew that was happening. Roderick Strong, Eric Young, too. Great way to open up the show. I mean, my God, those two killed it. I'm glad Roddy got the win. I expected him to get it after all the investment they've been putting in with all the videos of his life and everything. So good win for him there. Uh, you know, who knows if this feud's over with or, you know, uh, still going. But we'll, we'll see. Like you said, uh, that move that he, he did he made famous for was just awesome. I mean, to see him do that. See, again, if Asuka did something like that where she used a move that she used to use back in Japan or whatever, then it would be okay. But again, using a random move. I didn't like that, so it's cool that Roddy used that. Great win for him. Solid match overall. I really like the Bobby Roode Hideo and Tommy match as well, Brian. I mean, uh, a lot of people didn't like it, but again, I don't think, you know, I'm glad that they didn't put this as the main event because I don't think this deserved to be on the main event. I think the latter match was way more entertaining. Uh, but wow, this was a very solid match. Good showing by Hideo and Tommy. Good showing by Bobby Roode. And, uh, you know, again, I'm not into Bobby Roode's finisher, the DDT thing that he does. But I loved the way he did it to Hideo Tommy to end this match. He did it once, he picked him back up, and then he got so much height on it the second time that it looked just vicious once he once he threw, you know, uh, you know Hideo Tommy's head to the mat. I mean, it was just vicious, and I really liked it. I thought it was a solid ending to the match. Knew Bobby Roode was going to retain. Knew that Hideo Tommy was not the one to overthrow Roode. So, uh, overall, I, I thought those matches were great. Again, besides the Oscar match, every single match on this card was solid from top to bottom. Yeah, in terms of the Oscar situation, I completely agree. I think we're at a point now where she has to go on the main roster undefeated. Um, two things are going to happen. That's A, that's going to happen, or B, she's going to drop the belt in Brooklyn because I do believe Ember Moon's going to get her, her rematch. I think they're going to build up a storyline where Ember Moon's going to come back better than ever, coming off this shoulder injury. And she's going to get payback on Asuka and possibly in Brooklyn. She dethrones Asuka. But her undefeated streak has been so good and so telling that why would you want to end it? It's been a huge topic in WWE. Who can be Asuka? No one can. So why don't you continue it on the main roster and see if someone like Charlotte, if someone like Sasha, if someone like Bailey and Becky and Alexa Bliss and Nia Jax, if they can do it. These girls in NXT can't do it. Can those girls in the main roster, can they do it? That should be a storyline. But they can also play the role where the, the streak has to come to an end at some point. She has to drop the belt. Oh, let's put the belt on Ember Moon. Because I think no matter what happens, whether Asuka drops the belt to Ember Moon in a match or she relinquishes the belt, Ember Moon is going to be champion. There's no other woman in that division as we speak more capable of being the next face of the division than Ember Moon, all right? There's no one better than Ember Moon. I mean, if they continue to push Ruby Riot, maybe Ruby Riot, but I don't see her leapfrogging Ember Moon. I think Ember Moon's got a more interesting character, and she's a little bit better in the ring. But anyways, I mean, this Asuka storyline, if I was the writing staff for WWE, I'm not ending it. I'm I'm having her drop the belt, just just relinquish the belt, no, no defeat whatsoever. She just gives it away. 
And then she says, I'm going to the main roster, and I'm going to become women's champion for either Raw or SmackDown, and let her continue her undefeated streak there. And in terms of Bobby Roode, uh, again, the finisher, not the greatest, but the best way to utilize that finisher is by having him lift his opponent up and then spiking them on their head. He executed that move perfectly versus Atami. He got so much height on Atami with that finisher. Like you said, Ryan, when he hit it, it looked vicious. It looked dangerous. That looked like a, a spiked DDT. And that's the best way to utilize that finisher. If it's a normal DDT, it's a weak finisher. But if Bobby Roode can get air on it, and then spike the, his opponent's head into the mat so viciously, then that finisher will be a lot better. But again, overall, outstanding takeover event. I absolutely loved it, and it will go down as one of the greatest takeover events of all time. So bravo to those who performed in the show. Bravo to those who put together the show. Awesome, awesome stuff. And again, guys, if you somehow missed it, it's free on the WWE Network. No, not free, but you guys can watch it on the WWE Network anytime. Uh, any play, any time, any day. Uh, go check it out. Tremendous show overall. Um, also, that happened this weekend. We had the two Evolve shows, Evolve 84 and Evolve 85. Um, all I can say, I didn't get the chance to watch either show, so I'm not going to sit here and break down the matches. But all we know is Matt Riddle and Zack Sabre Jr. are still champions. Um, they both retain their belts in both shows. Uh, Zack successfully beating Ethan Page and then Leo Rush, Matt Riddle beating uh, Kyle O'Reilly the first night, and then he beat Jeff Cobb the second night. So both those guys are still champions. After Evolve 85 was over with, though, we had some interesting stuff going on, though, in the ring. Zack Sabre Jr. was on the microphone, only to be interrupted by Keith Lee, who I think is the next challenger for the Evolve Championship. Will we see Zack Sabre Jr. drop the belt that night to Keith Lee, who has been absolutely dominant since going to Evolve Wrestling ever since his first match where he beat Chris Hero. Um, you know, he has been just outstanding for Evolve. Can he be the one to beat Zack Sabre Jr.? If not him, maybe Matthew Riddle, because Matthew Riddle as well is wanting a, a match uh, with uh, uh, Zack Sabre Jr. I think he's getting the next opportunity. I'm looking up the, the match card here to see if they uh, have it up. But, uh... Uh, Evolve 80, no, they have not announced the matches yet, but in the next two Evolve shows, 85 and 86, uh, Matthew Riddle and Keith Lee are going to get title opportunities. I'm not sure what shows they will happen. I'm not sure if Keith Lee's Evolve 85 or Evolve 86. I'm not sure when the matches will take place, but, uh, yeah, two new challengers for, uh, Zack Sabre Jr., and they're probably the two toughest challenges he'll ever face. I mean, again, Keith Lee has been just dominant since going to Evolve Wrestling. He is making a name for himself as one of the best wrestlers in the world today, maybe the best big man in wrestling today. Uh, again, Matthew Riddle, the WWN champion, has been outstanding as well with Evolve Wrestling. He's basically the face of Evolve Wrestling. So uh, if you guys happen to watch the shows this weekend, I'm glad you guys enjoyed Again, I'm not going to sit here break down the matches because I did not get the chance to watch either show. But uh, all we know is Zack Sabre Jr. is still Evolve champion. Matt Riddle still WWN champion, and we'll see where Evolve goes from here. All we know is that all we know right now is that Zack Sabre Jr.'s next two challengers are Keith Lee and Matt Riddle, and the question will then become: Will Zack's run as champion come to an end? Because no question about it, Keith and Matt are the two toughest challengers that Zack's going to be seeing for a long time for that championship. Those are tremendous challengers. Two guys that are capable of being Evolve champion, and we'll see if Zach's reign comes to an end. But overall, if you guys saw Evolve 84, 85, I'm glad you enjoy it. 
and Evolve 86 and 87 should be pretty interesting with Zack Sabre Jr. defending the, defending his Evolve Championship against Keith Lee. And if he beats Keith Lee, then versus Matt Riddle. Yeah, again, like you like you said, Brian, I didn't get a chance to watch that. It's just too much stuff, you know, uh, to watch in one weekend. A lot of stuff going on. But, I mean, I wouldn't doubt that they were great events. Evolve always puts up great cards and great events. Uh, like you said, still champion Zack Sabre Jr., still champion Matt Riddle. That's no shocker there. And, yeah, things should get interesting as the next couple of Evolve shows, like you said, two tough challengers headed Zack Sabre Jr.'s way. We'll see if he can, you know, defend successfully against these guys. Realistically, <laughs> If he beats Keith Lee, I, I mean, come on now. I, I, to me, that just makes no sense. But I guess I'm looking too realistically into it. But, I mean, Keith Lee, I mean, look at the guy. I mean, look at Zack Sabre Jr. I mean, Zack's going to try and, and twist him around, and I'm sure he'll be successful. But ultimately, I mean, how does Keith Lee not win that match? I, I don't know. Again, maybe I'm looking too much into it, but we'll see what happens uh, down the line at the next couple of shows. But overall, uh, you know, I'm... I'm I'm looking forward to seeing if I can check out these uh, past weekend shows because I'm sure they were great. Yeah, they definitely were great. So a lot of great matches on the show. So again, we'll see what happens with Zack Sabre Jr. But again, we'll you know will he drop the belt to Lee or Riddle? That should be interesting to see. Uh, let's move ahead now to um, Raw and SmackDown. A quick recap for both those shows as we're moving forward to uh, Extreme Rules now. Uh, a big match, of course. We're all waiting for the Fatal Five Way match. Uh, Finn Balor, Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, Samoa Joe, and Bray Wyatt will be battling for the number one contendership for the Universal title, which is still have yet to be seen on television because Brock Lesnar's contract says he can only make specific appearances, which, again, is bullshit. Brock Lesnar should not be champion. But we did see something interesting happen on Raw where Paul Heyman made an appearance, and he was talking to Finn Balor. And he was basically praising Finn that he is the best uh, in-ring competitor right now in WWE today, uh, which is pretty high praise uh, from a guy like Paul Heyman who's been there, done that for so many years. Uh, tremendous back and forth between him and Finn Balor, where part of me was just envisioning him, those two guys working together. I mean, just imagine a Finn and Paul Heyman partnership. That would be pretty sick to see, but we all know that's never going to happen because uh, Paul Heyman is all about working with Brock Lesnar. And, of course, Finn's like, I'm going to beat Brock Lesnar when I win this match at Extreme Rules. I'm coming for Brock Lesnar. I'm going to beat him. And that might be a tease that Finn's going to win this match. Uh, again, when we look back, when we look at the guys in this match, who has the best odds of winning? I think Finn and Seth are definitely at the top two. Uh, Samoa Joe right now is not ready for it. Uh, again, it's too early for Samoa Joe. Uh, Bray Wyatt, I just don't see it. Even though Bray and Brock would be great matchup, hopefully, I don't see it happening. Roman Reigns, again, will get his opportunity at WrestleMania. We all know that. So it's either going to be Sin or F either Seth or Finn. And if I had to pick a guy between those two guys, i say Finn. I'm not sure why. I just have this strange feeling that we're going to see Finn Balor win this match. But again, Ryan, it doesn't matter who wins this match. Brock's going to win this. Whoever wins this match, Brock's going to beat that opponent anyways at Great Balls of Fire. And then he's going to move on to SummerSlam. All right? And I have this strange gut feeling that Brock is going to be champion until WrestleMania. And if that's the case, then shame on Vince. Shame on those who talk to Vince, his, you know, his, his advisors like Kevin Dunn. Shame on you guys to put your world championship, your top title on Raw, on a guy that's only going to be making, what, five to ten appearances a year? That would be bullshit, all right? Brock, again, I've said this so many times on the show. Brock should not be champion. 
No part-timer whatsoever, doesn't matter who you are, should never hold a championship for the simple reason that these guys are part-timers. They're not gonna be they're not gonna be appearing on Raw or SmackDown every single week like they should when you're a champion. I'm not saying you should defend the belt every single week, but at some point on the show, that championship should be showcased. And again, we've not seen a universal title on Raw since the night after WrestleMania. We're now going on over a month since we've seen that title. And pretty soon it's gonna be two months. Because we won't be seeing Brock Lesnar on Raw until after Extreme Rules. Because that's when they have to start building up his match with whoever wins that, that number one contendership spot. So again, I mean, nothing really else to say about Raw. There were some good matches on the show. Most of the booking on the show, though, was kind of meh. Uh, again, they're, they're leading up to Raw, uh, to the Extreme Rules pay-per-view. Alexa Bliss versus Bayley. In a kendo stick on a pole match, which is just a stupid stipulation. With uh, if you're gonna make that type of stipulation, you might as well make it an extreme rules match. Why just one specific weapon? Why? Because Alexa Bliss is using that weapon all the time. That's stupid stuff there. Um, the Hardy Boys versus Cesaro and Sheamus in a cage match. Very shocked that it's not a ladder match because that's the match now that the Hardy Boys are in most of the time. But a cage match should be interesting. We'll see what happens with that. Dean Ambrose versus Miz and Extreme Rules. Again, not interested. I'm just hoping that Miz gets the belt back because Dean Ambrose has done an awful job as Intercontinental Champion. Uh, Miz, we all know, is capable of making that belt relevant again because he did it before. He can do it again. Dean's just not doing it. He's not getting the job done. So, overall, did not watch all of Raw. I saw bits and pieces of it. The one highlight, of course, was Finn Balor interacting with Paul Heyman. Other than that, it was kind of blah. You know, again, you can make your opinions on it. I didn't think it was all that great of a show from what I read. Again, other than the Finn Balor pulling him and stuff, that was the only bright spot for me. But overall, not the greatest of shows for Raw. Yeah, no, and definitely not shocking. I mean, uh, you know, Finn Balor, Paul Heyman stuff is good. Paul Heyman putting over Finn, that would be interesting to see. If Finn actually does become the number one contender to Brock Lesnar, uh, things could get real interesting. They teased it a little bit, but I'm still not sold on Finn being the number one contender. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, yeah, I mean, nothing else to really talk about. You know, the Hardys picking a steel cage match makes sense. I mean, everybody said, you know, oh, you know, I want it to be a ladder match. But again, you know, we just seen a ladder match between them at WrestleMania. Uh, and there's a Money in the Bank ladder match coming up soon. Uh, there's a ladder match at TakeOver this past weekend. There's a lot of ladder matches lately. So, uh, you know, a steel cage match is different. Uh, of course, get ready to see that Swanton bomb off the top of the steel cage from Jeff Hardy. you got to think that's coming. Uh, so some pretty big spots probably in that match. So it should be good. I'm looking forward to that. I think they definitely needed a stipulation. Obviously, it's extreme rules, but I had my doubts that there was going to be something added to this. But I'm glad it was because now I'm a little bit more intrigued. Uh, you know, Alexa Bliss still throwing around that kendo stick, still hitting people. Uh, Mickey James with it and then Bailey with it. So teasing that match a little bit there, that should be all right. The main event was okay. You know, Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins against Samoa Joe and Bray Wyatt. Interesting to see Samoa Joe and Bray Wyatt teaming up. That was pretty cool. And some big-time matchups next week on Raw uh, as, as a triple threat match. Samoa Joe, Finn Balor, and Bray Wyatt. And then Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins go one-on-one. -on -one. So that's pretty interesting stuff right there. Uh, yeah, but besides that, nothing else to really talk about on Raw. And in terms of SmackDown, they're gearing up, of course, for Money in the Bank. And to kick off the show, they uh, announced the participants in the Money in the Bank ladder match. And I got to say, Ryan, this is the perfect six to add to this matchup. You have AJ Styles, Kevin Owens, 
Shinsuke Nakamura, Dolph Ziggler, Sami Zayn, Baron Corbin. Now, I know, I, I think you told me before that you're not all that thrilled that Kevin Owens as United States Champion in this match doesn't make sense. But let's be honest, Ryan. Him in this match makes it more intriguing. Even though, yes, we know he's not going to win because I don't see WWE having a double champion again for a long time. Like they did with Seth Rollins. I don't see that happening for a long time. But still, though, you want you want the best performers on your brand in this match. All right, This is such a big match. You want the best in this match. If Kevin Owens is not in this match, who are you replacing him with? I don't think there's anybody that you can replace him with. I think he's perfect for this match. He's He's been a part of these ladder matches for a long time. He knows how to utilize this ladder match. And his presence in that match will make it more interesting. Even though he's not going to win, it doesn't matter though. You want the best performers in this match. And he's one of the best on the show. Now, who's going to win this match? I have no freaking clue. All right, It's a toss-up. Now, I'll tell you who's not going to win this match. Owens is not winning this match because he's the United States Champion. Dolph's not winning this match because I never see Dolph becoming champion ever again. His role will now be, again, a guy that will be there for some big matches, but a guy that's going to put over the future like he did with Nakamura. I don't see uh, Nakamura winning either because it's too early for Shinsuke. He should not be winning this briefcase at all. Save his opportunities later on. I don't see... AJ winning either. I mean, AJ Styles may be the most logical pick, but let's be honest. AJ doesn't need to win this match. He has made a huge name for himself on SmackDown that AJ will always be in the mix. Because, he, like he says it, he's the face that runs the place. SmackDown Live is the place that AJ Styles built. And I don't think him winning the, the he doesn't need to win this Money in the Bank briefcase because he's always going to be involved because he's AJ Styles. This match should be won by either Corbin or Sami Zayn. And I think they're going to roll with that. I think we're going to see a surprise here. Because also this too, Ryan. AJ Styles winning is too predictable. I think when it comes to this matchup, they should put out a surprise. And Zayn or Corbin winning is a surprise. So I think if, if I was the booking team on SmackDown, if I was the writing team... I'm giving this win to either Sammy or Baron Corbin. Now, whoever wins out of those two, it's up for debate. Depends on who makes the most sense. Uh, again, it doesn't matter to me if, if either Zayn or Corbin wins. I'll be happy because both both those guys deserve it. But uh, it's going to be an outstanding match, no doubt about it. It really is. I mean, um, you know, those are tremendous six great competitors. They are perfect for this matchup. I'm also interested to see how Nakamura fares in a ladder match because he's never been in a ladder match in his entire career you know new japan never had ladder matches until kenny omega introduced it uh last year when he faced michael elgin that's the only ladder match in japan and new japan pro wrestling history so nakamura will be new to that matchup but you know with owens with styles with zane guys like that who have been in this match for a long time they'll help nakamura along the way but they picked the six perfect guys, man. I loved it. I love the announcement. It's going to be an outstanding matchup. It's going to be a great build-up for the next couple of weeks. And again, uh, who, who wins this matchup? I'm not sure. I'm, I'm going to say either Corbin or Zayn. Because again, AJ's too predictable. Owens is the United States champion. He's not going to win. Dolph Ziggler is not going to be in that position anymore. And it's too late for Nakamura. So when it comes down to it, who makes the most sense it should be either Zane or Corbin. And let's be honest, those two guys need this opportunity. All right, Zane and Corbin have been good, but they've not taken that big step forward yet. 
a win for Zena Corbin in this match would be a huge step forward because, again, Ryan, whoever wins this briefcase, they're going to be champion. All right, it's rare to see a guy win this briefcase and not become champion. It's happened a couple of times before. It happened to John Cena. It happened to Damian Sandow. Other than that, I can't remember a guy failing to cash in his briefcase and become champion. It doesn't happen a lot. So whoever wins this briefcase, Ryan, is going to be champion in the future. And guys like Sammy, guys like Baron Corbin, they need this opportunity because they've never tasted gold before. AJ's been champion before. Owens has been champion. Dolph's been champion. Nakamura's not been champion, but again, it's too early for Shinsuke. Too early for Shinsuke Nakamura. His opportunity should be coming in the future, later on. Not as the briefcase winner. It should be either Zayn or Corbin. Doesn't matter who. I don't care who wins out of those two. Both guys deserve it. I'm not going to be pissed off if Zayn loses and Corbin wins. Or vice versa. Doesn't matter to me. But as a fan... I'm hoping for those two guys. One of those two guys wins. All right. Even though I'm, I love AJ Styles, he's still my favorite wrestler in the world today. He doesn't need to win that match because, again, AJ Styles is such a big name, such a great threat as champion. He doesn't need to win because he will always be in the picture because he is the face of SmackDown. He will always be in the mix. Doesn't need to win his briefcase. A guy like Zayn, a guy like Corbin. They need this to elevate their to elevate themselves to the next level. They don't win this match, either one of them. Who knows where they're going to be in the future? I really don't know. This is a big match for Sammy and Baron Corbin. So again, it's going to be a great match when it finally happens. Tremendous uh, competitors are in this matchup. And again, whoever wins this match is going to become champion. And whoever you think is going to win this match, it's up to you. I'm not sure who's going to win this match. But if I was a part of the Ryan team, Ryan... It's either Baron or Sammy, nobody else. Because again, the same reasons. AJ doesn't need to be in this match. Doesn't need to win this match because it's too predictable. Always is U.S. champion. Too too early for Nakamura. And again, Dolph Ziggler. That's not his role anymore. So should be a fun matchup, and I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen down the road. And as a fan, I'm hoping it's either Corbin or Sammy winning this matchup. Yeah, I mean, wow, what a stacked uh, Money in the Bank ladder match we got. I mean, I'm so looking forward to this one. And, yeah, I mean, like you said, Brian, Corbin and Zayn are the only two that I can see winning this one. I mean, the other guys are way too big of names. Nakamura, okay, you just knocked that off the list already. He's not winning. Ziggler, yeah, I mean, the boat has, you know, the ship has sailed for him. He's not winning. I mean, I could see AJ Styles, but... Man, I don't know. I don't think that's the right move to go. It's got to be either Baron Corbin or Sami Zayn, I think. Uh, those two guys definitely deserve it. Uh, you know, either one would be cool. I just have a tough time seeing them give it to Sami Zayn. I just can't see Sami becoming a WWE champion. I think he's more suitable for a mid-card belt. Uh, again, he's, he, the guy's got no character whatsoever. I mean, what would what would he be if he's the WWE champion? I mean, he's just... I mean, who is he right now? Who is Sami Zayn? I mean, I still am trying to figure that out myself. I mean, I have watched this guy before he, he entered WWE, so I know what this guy is capable of. But if I'm somebody watching for the first time, I probably wouldn't even be a fan of Sami Zayn. Because, yeah, he's really great in the ring, but what else does he have to him? He doesn't really have anything. So uh, I have a tough time seeing him winning this match. So I mean, if i got to make a prediction right now, I'm going to go with Baron Corbin. But nonetheless, it's going to be a stacked – I mean, it's a stacked match as it is. Uh, it's going to be unbelievably awesome. 
I, I was mad at first that this wasn't a Raw and SmackDown pay-per-view, but, mm-hmm. I mean, w- with the announced you know participants in this match, I'm okay with it just being SmackDown because this match alone will be enough for me. I mean, it's going to be incredible to see. So, yeah, I mean, it was a great announcement. I hate the fact, that, though, that they don't have qualifiers nowadays. It's really stupid how they nobody qualifies for the money in the bank. Uh, they just throw people in there randomly. It's basically whoever Shane handpicked, it seems like. Uh, but, you know, overall, it's going to be a stacked card, uh, stacked match, and I cannot wait. Well, I mean, in terms of that, in terms of no qualifiers, I see where you're coming from. But let's be honest, if you had, like, a Nakamura versus a Mojo Raleigh as a qualifying match, it's too predictable. Nakamura's going to win. So I think when it comes down to it, they want the best of the best to be in this matchup. So I don't have a problem with them not doing the qualifiers because depending on the matches and who the qualifying matches are, it's probably too predictable. And I guess they just want to get it out of the way. And start the build-up. I, I'm not sure why they're not doing the qualifiers anymore, but that's my reason. They want the best of the best in this matchup, and there's probably no need for qualifiers. Because, again, some of the qualifying matches, it may be too predictable. And also, another thing to Ryan, they don't have enough talent to have qualifying matches. I mean, you might have to add a, a tag team wrestler in to add some talent. Because, again, you have those six guys. Who are the other six guys that they're going to be facing for qualifying matches? You have Mojo Raleigh. Uh, okay, I mean, Mahal and Randy Orton are doing their own thing. So Ty Dillinger, yes, but Aiden English, I mean, it's too predictable. So I don't really have a big problem with them not doing qualifiers because, again, you want the best of the best in this matchup. And most of these qualifying matches will be seeing guys like Nakamura and Sami Zayn and, uh, you know, uh, Baron Corbin facing Aiden English, Ty Dillinger, you know, uh, uh, who I just said before, uh, Mojo Raleigh. You know, it's, pre- it's too predictable. You don't want to do squash matches like that. So I, I see where they're coming from with that. But overall, should be a fun matchup in the next coming weeks. Uh, other than that, on SmackDown, again, the Usos beat Brizango yet again for the tag team belts. Now the question becomes, where do we go from here with the Usos? Who will they face next? Probably going to be the New Day. Where does Brizango go from here? I'm not so sure. I mean, they may go back to their old selves and be jobbers again, which would be a damn shame because these guys deserve a better opportunity than that. Um, next week, fatal five-way match to determine the number one contender for Naomi's championship. Happy they're starting to put more focus back on the women's title and stop with this whole good good girls versus bad girls stuff. Welcoming committee crap is retarded. I just don't like it. Um, so hopefully... Next week, we find out who Naomi will face, and hopefully they go back to that storyline of Naomi defending her championship. Probably going to be Charlotte, but you never know. Uh, Mahal had his little Maharaja festival. Again, you know how I feel about that, but we're going to be seeing Randy Orton versus uh, Mahal in the future again at Money in the Bank. So other than that, nothing really big going on with SmackDown, and that's pretty much it. Uh, In terms of NXT, again, it was a TV tapings from Chicago. A-Lister Black squashing Kurt Hawkins again. Looks dominant. Tremendous stuff from A-Lister Black. Uh, Drew McIntyre beat Wesley Blake. Patrick Clark debuted as the Velveeta Dream. Not sure what to make of it. It's kind of weird to me, but maybe it works. We'll see what happens with Patrick Clark. And that's pretty much it with NXT. So that's all we can say for the the rest of the week for WWE. Uh, Some news though regarding the WWE though in terms of a tournament. And that is the upcoming women's tournament. Uh, they just announced the name for that tournament. Uh, we, we, of course, we had the Dusty Rose Tag Team Classic. We have the Cruiserweight Classic. 
Now we have the May Young Classic. And of course, May Young, one of the greats to ever perform in wrestling, one of the pioneers of women's wrestling, who was a part of the wrestling business for, what, 50 plus years, basically. Um, you know, she's just one of the greatest ever, and she's getting honored. Uh, they're honoring her legacy in this tournament. So I think that's a perfect person to honor. I mean, you could have done multiple ways. You could have done you know, the Trish Stratus Classic or the Fabulous Moolah Classic or the China Classic. But uh, Mae Young is perfect. She's she, Again, she was a pioneer for women's wrestling. And so we know the name. We know when they're going to tape this whole tournament. Uh, now we got to wait on who's going to be a part of this tournament. We don't know for sure who's going to be in it. Uh, all we do know is it, it's, it's 32 competitors from 17 different countries. That's all we know. If we had to guess who's going to be in this tournament, we have to expect, you know, Kari Hojo, Io Shirai, uh, Nixon Newell, Tony Storm, possibly Tessa Blanchard, and uh, maybe Santana Garrett. Some of the best women wrestlers right now that are not in WWE are going to be in this tournament, but there's also going to be some unknowns that are going to be in this tournament. So, again, we're going to just have to wait and see to see who's going to be involved in this tournament. We should get that answer very soon as we inch closer to June. And you have to believe at some point in June we're going to get the names in this tournament. But we know it has a name now, May Young Classic, which is great. We know where it's going to be taped at Full sale. It's going to be taped for two days. The episodes will be revealed very quickly after the tapings. And now, and it should be a fun tournament, but again, as we speak right now, the only thing that we don't know is who's in this tournament, and we should find out who will be in this tournament at some point in the next coming weeks, but overall, Ryan, your thoughts on the name, the Mae Young Classic, do you like the name, do you hate the name, your thoughts about that? No, I mean, uh, you know, at first I was like, oh, um, this is a little weird. Uh, it's a little weird to say, but um, I think it's it's great that they're honoring her. They're putting this tournament in her honor. I mean, she's one of the best, one of the greatest of all time. Uh, so it definitely makes sense. Uh, I mean, so it, it's growing on me. I do like it. I, I'm excited for it. Like you said, the competitors still have to be announced. I can't wait till that happens. Uh, you'd think it's got to be happening soon since the tapings are in July. Like you said, two days, that's it. And it's all going to be released. And, uh, you know, we're going to be able to watch all of it at once, which I like a lot. It's not going to drag week by week. Uh, you know, the Cruiserweight Classic, a little bit after a while, it, you know, it dragged. I mean, it did. Weeks go by. You know the results because it's, it's taped already. So, uh, you know, again, this is going to be a lot better in, in, in that way that you can just watch it all at once. And then they'll have, I'm sure they'll have the live, you know, finals and everything. Uh, you know, when that happens, it'll be uh, taped live at full sale. So that would be pretty cool to see. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely looking forward to it. And May Young Classic. You know, as I keep saying it, you know, the more and more I say it, it does have a nice ring to it. And uh, I'm glad they're honoring her uh, out of all people. Absolutely. So uh, we'll see what happens regarding that tournament. Speaking of tournaments, we now shift the focus to a couple of tournaments. Um, you know, right now, one going on, the, next, the other one going on this weekend. So we'll give our quick uh, thoughts on the uh, best of the Super Juniors tournament. We're still rolling with the tournament. We are now a week in to the tournament. And here are the current standings. Uh, for um, <clears throat> the best of the Super Juniors tournament. Um, trying to bring it up right now. Hopefully it loads up. But uh, it's been some great action throughout. We all know that. Some great matches happening. Uh, we still know that the best matches so far of the tournament has been Will Ospreay and Ricochet. But here we go. As we speak, here are the standings for each block. In block A, tied atop the list, six points each are Dragon Lee, Marty Skrull, and Will Ospreay. 
Dragon Lee being the surprise. No surprise for Marty and Will Ospreay, but Dragon Lee right now has been the star of the tournament. Specifically in that block, he's got wins over Marty Skrull and Ricochet and Takahashi. Some big wins for Dragon Lee. Uh, speaking of Ricochet, he's tied with Taichi and Hiromu Takahashi with four points each. Ricochet right now has two losses under his belt. He lost to Will Ospreay and he lost to Dragon Lee. Uh, Takamichinoku with two points. He's only got one win. And the, and dead last, zero points in his final tournament, Jushin Thunder Liger. Definitely a disappointment there. Uh, with Liger's with, with it being Liger's last tournament, you wanted to see at least one win from him. Did not get that. So Jushin, uh, for Liger's last tournament, not a good one. In terms of Block B, two guys are tied. And both these guys are members of Suzuki Gun. El Desperado and Yoshinobu Kanemaru. Desperado, man, I got to say, he's been outstanding. I mean, this is a guy that, again, overshadowed because he's a part of a big faction, a faction that has guys like Minoru Suzuki, that has Zack Sabre Jr., that has the Killer Elite Squad, and has guys like Taichi and Takamichi Noku. And when you see all those guys in one faction, a guy like Desperado is going to be overlooked. And he is putting his skills to the to a, to a full display, basically, in this tournament. He's been outstanding. He's still undefeated. He still has not lost a match yet. He's had some big wins in this tournament. So uh, it's been awesome to see Desperado have a great tournament. Same thing for Kane, Kane Maru. Those two guys have been great. Uh, Rusuke Taguchi, Tiger Mask 4, ACH, and Bulldor Jr. are all tied with four points each. Taguchi, again, seasoned veteran. So is Tiger Mask. ACH has been very good. So is Bulldor Jr., and sadly for us, Ryan, tied for last place with two points each are our two picks, Kushida and Bushi. Both guys have one win. That's it. Both guys have a win each. And that's a disappointment because we were convinced, Ryan, that Kushida and Bushi were going to win this tournament. That's not the case. None of these guys are going to win this tournament. So when we sit here right now week in, who's going to win this tournament? I mean, Dragon Lee and El Desperado are in great position to win. Are they going to win, though, when you have Will Ospreay, when you have Marty Skrull, when you have Taguchi, when you have Ricochet? It's going to be tough. I think between Desperado and Dragon Lee, who has the best chance of winning, it's going to be Dragon Lee because he's had more big wins than Desperado. I mean, like I said, he's being Ricochet. He's being Takahashi. He beat Marty Skrull. Those are three big wins. Three of the best in the world, Dragon Lee just beat. And I'm not saying Desperado doesn't have big wins. I mean, he's got a win over Kushida. He's beaten so many other big names as well in this tournament. But man, Dragon Lee man, has been impressive. So has Desperado. But overall, again, we look throughout this tournament. The best match so far has been Osprey Ricochet. No doubt about that. But uh, throughout the rest of the matches on this, uh, throughout this tournament has been very, very good. Uh, the biggest disappointment, of course, being uh, Bushi and Kushida and also Drushin Dunn the Liger. But overall, Ryan, a week into the tournament has been very, very good. And as we move forward, should be very interesting to see what happens next. Because, again, right now, Dragon Lee and El Desperado are in the two best positions to win this tournament. But don't count out Will Ospreay to be back-to-back -back champion. Don't count out Marty Skrull. Don't count out Taguchi. Don't count out Ricochet. Whoever reaches the, the next rounds of the tournament... All of them have a chance to win. You just don't know. New Japan Pro Wrestling, unpredictable when it comes to stuff like this. Like we saw with the New Japan Cup. We were all convinced Kenny Omega was going to win this tournament. He lost in the first round. And we saw Shibata beat Fale in the finals. 
And with this tournament, we pick Kushida and Bush to win. Both these guys are nowhere close to winning. And we're seeing guys like Desperado, Kane Maru, and Dragon Lee, guys that we did not see winning this tournament, had the best chance to win. Just shows you how unpredictable New Japan Pro Wrestling is. So overall, a weekend. It's been a fun tournament, and it should get even more. It should get even much better moving forward. Yeah, uh, good tournament so far. Like you said, a lot of uh, surprising people that are stealing the the spotlight. El Desperado, Dragon Lee, are the two guys that you know I didn't expect to really do this good. I mean, uh, I did predict Dragon Lee as my second pick uh, to Kushida, but again, you know, I feel like everybody who's at the top right now of their their block. You know, with one more week to go, I just feel like it's too obvious. I feel like some of these guys are going to drop. I'm glad to see Marty Skrull, Will Ospreay doing good, though. Uh, you know, it, it, it's tough to predict who's going to win this. It really is. Like uh, like you said, our picks, Bushi and Kushida, are tied for last place, basically, with two points each. Uh, Bushi was, uh, you know, had his, uh, you know, back against the wall this morning, and he actually pulled off the win to keep himself alive for now. Uh, like you said, one more week to go in this tournament, so anything can happen. A couple more matches for for some of these guys, and I just feel like these guys that are at the top right now, Dragon Lee, El Desperado, Marty Skrull, uh, you know, I just feel like, I don't know, I'm not confident yet. I'm not, you know, going to uh, put all my eggs in the basket for these guys because I just feel like one guy uh, here who doesn't have that many points is going to shock a lot of people and come out of nowhere and end up winning the tournament. It's usually what happens. Like you said, New Japan is so unpredictable when it comes to this stuff. You just never know. So uh, I'm not really counting on any of these top guys uh, as winners just yet. Yeah, it's no lock that Dragon Lee or Desperado are going to win this tournament when you have guys like Will Ospreay and Marty Skrull and Rusuke Taguchi and even a Ricochet that are still in the mix. So again, we have another week left for this tournament. The action will be better, and it's going to be more dramatic as we inch closer to the end of this tournament. So we'll see what happens with that. But again, on the topic of tournaments, we have a big tournament this weekend in professional wrestling. If you are a Progress Wrestling fan, big stuff happening this weekend. From Saturday to Monday, Progress is holding their Super Strong Style 16 tournament. And this is a heck of a tournament, people. A lot of big names from the UK as well as here from the United States, are taking part in this tournament. And two days ago, they revealed the brackets in this tournament. And we are going to talk about it right now. We're going to reveal who we think is going to win this tournament as I bring up the bracket as we speak. So 16 competitors, of course, stands for Strong Style 16, are in this tournament. The Progress Atlas champion Matt Riddle's in it. Uh, you know Tyler Bate, Trent Seven are in this tournament. Zack Sabre Jr., uh, you know, you have Jimmy Havoc, you have Travis Banks, you have Jeff Cobb, David Starr. The list goes on and on and on. Very, very deep tournament. And here are the matches. And, man, the first round looked outstanding. But let's go right into the tournament, people. Left side of the bracket, we'll start off with Jack Sexsmith versus Zach Gibson. Two guys, very young, two guys that I'm very unfamiliar with. So this is going to be a pick strictly on shits and giggles, basically. I'm going to pick Jack Sexsmith. I think he's a little bit more popular in the United Kingdom than Zach Gibson is. Uh, Sexsmith has having a pretty good 2017 so far. So, uh, again, very tough to call here because these are two unknowns, basically. But should be a solid matchup, no doubt about that. And I'm going to pick Sexsmith uh, for the win. 
Yeah, me too as uh, as well. But, I mean, uh, just as a whole, this tournament looks unbelievable. Again, first time being introduced to this. I've never really uh, been into progress wrestling. So this is all new to me. But, wow, this looks uh, incredible. Not really familiar with any of these guys. So I'm just going to go with uh, the one that you picked. Make it easy. Yeah, make it easy right there. Uh, don't like put my don't put much pressure on yourself. So again, we both agree on Jack Sexsmith. They'll face the winner of what could be the best first round matchup here: Zack Saber Jr. versus David Starr. I mean, wow. I mean, Zack Saber Jr. Zacky three belts, one of the best in the world versus one of the hottest free agents right now in the business today, and David Starr. This is going to be an outstanding match. These two guys recently fought each other at CZW Sacrifices. If you've not seen that match, please check it out. It was outstanding. Who's going to win this time? Um, going with Zack Sabre Jr., unfortunately. Uh, I love David Starr. I think he's outstanding. But Zack Sabre Jr. is one of the best in the world. He has made a huge name for himself throughout the United Kingdom. It's going to be very awkward to see him not reach the second round if he loses. And that's why I don't see him losing because he's just too damn good. So give me a ZSJ to pick up the win. Yeah, like you said, this could be the match of the tournament. I mean, my God, these two guys going at each other, I definitely would pay to see this. I'm going to go with Zack Sabre Jr. as well, though, just because, you know, again, this guy's on top of the world. I mean, he's got all these belts. Um, he's a big star. David Starr is on the rise, though, as well. He's, he's tremendous. If you've never seen him, definitely check him out. But uh, I'm going to go with Zack Sabre Jr. here. All right, moving on. Another great first-round matchup. Jimmy Havoc versus Travis Banks. Now, everyone thinks that Jimmy Havoc is a lock to win this match. Not necessarily. Keep an eye on Travis Banks, all right? If you don't know who Travis Banks is, I highly advise you to check him out, please. This guy is one of the most underrated talents, not just from the United Kingdom, but in wrestling. He is killing it as a singles guy and as a tag team guy, all right? He's a part of a couple of tag teams with CCK with Chris Brooks, South Pacific Power Trip with TK Cooper. He is an outstanding talent, but... Unfortunately, Travis, you're facing, in my opinion, other than Pete Dunne, the face of Progress Wrestling, and that's Jimmy Havoc. All right, Jimmy Havoc is a former Progress champion. He's one of the best talents in the world from the United Kingdom. And again, he's another guy that, just like Zack Sabre Jr., I can't see losing in the first round. With this guy making a name for himself in Progress Wrestling as a former champion, it's tough to see Jimmy lose in the first round, all right? Travis Banks is a dark horse to win this tournament, but tough news for him. He has to face Jimmy Havoc to get to the next round and then to the next round to the next round after that. I don't see it happening. So I love Travis Banks. He's a great talent, but Jimmy Havoc is my pick. So give me Jimmy Havoc to knock off Travis Banks. Yeah, I'm going to go with Jimmy Havoc too. Uh, I mean, you know, like you said, Travis Banks, he, he's – He's a good talent. I mean, uh, I just got introduced to him recently as well. Uh, I really have just I, – I've never really been familiar with him or anything. I've seen him in uh, WCPW, and uh, he's tremendous. He really is. And, uh, again, these things are so tough to predict. So when you have tournaments like this, they always put up great matchups in the first round like this. And it's so difficult because you don't want to see one of these guys, uh, you know, get eliminated so so quickly. I, you know, it tends to happen in Bola as well. So, again, this could go either way. But I'm just going to go with Jimmy Havoc just because I know him more. All right, moving on. The winner of that match will face the winner of Mark Andrews versus Flamita. This is going to be a great match as well. Two guys that fit the high-flying bill. Not familiar with Flamita, so that's why I'm picking Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews is one of the best high flyers in the world. Uh, he's made a huge name for himself throughout the United Kingdom. Flamita's coming, of course, coming from Mexico. So should be a fun, exciting matchup. But give me uh, Kid Lightning for the win. 
that. Yeah, me too as well. Uh, again, this is another one where, uh, you know, it could go either way. It really could. But uh, I'm not really familiar with him too much. Again, actually, you know what? I'm going to go with Mark Andrews because uh, I know him more. I, you know, again, I wish I could watch this because these talents look phenomenal. These first-round matchups look very, very interesting and intriguing. Uh, but I'm going to go with Mark Andrews. All right, so we move on. We continue with this bracket. So we both, we all agree on our matches. So here we go. Jack Sexsmith versus Zack Sabre Jr. Easy pick here. Zack Sabre Jr. with the easy win. Yeah, no explanation needed, Zack Sabre Jr. And then we have Jimmy Havoc versus Mark Andrews again. I, even though Mark Andrews is a great, cha- uh, great talent, easy pick for me here, Jimmy Havoc. Yeah, give me Jimmy Havoc as well, and that sets up an interesting matchup with Zack Sabre Jr. And we get to that matchup right now, the semifinals. Zack Sabre Jr. versus Jimmy Havoc. Such a close matchup. These two guys met at Progress in Orlando. Outstanding matchup. They meet again. Zack Sabre Jr. might be the favorite in this matchup, but give me Jimmy fucking Havoc to win. I'm a fan of Jimmy Havoc. I've been a fan of his now for a little while. He, again, other than Pete Dunne, the face of Progress Wrestling. If there's any guy that could beat Pete Dunne for that belt, it could be Jimmy Havoc. Again, Zack Sabre Jr. may be the most logical pick because he's Zack Sabre Jr., but Jimmy Havoc is one of the best in the world, in my opinion, and I think he's going to knock off Zack Sabre Jr., and he's going to reach the finals of the Strong Style 16 tournament. Very interesting stuff right there. You know, again, really, really tough to predict. I'm just going to go with Zack Sabre Jr. Just Again, he's on a roll. He's the top guy. Uh, in independent pro wrestling right now, he's got all these championship belts. I think he's you know one of the best in the world. Not saying Jimmy Havoc isn't, but uh, you know I'm just gonna go out on a limb here and say Zack Saber Jr. to the finals. All right, so you got Zack Saber Jr. I got Jimmy Havoc. Let's go to the other side of the bracket and some other great matches. We'll start off Tyler Bate, the former WWE UK champion, will take on Pastor William Ever. Easy pick here. Give me Tyler Bate with the win. Yeah, me too. No explanation, really. Tyler Bate, obviously. You know, what more could be, could be said? Same goes for this next matchup. Mark Haskins versus Flash Morgan Webster. Don't know quite often about Webster here. Mark Haskins, outstanding talent. Love Mark Haskins. I think he wins this match. Yeah, I think so, too. Again, doesn't really need an explanation. I don't really know the other guy too well, but Mark Haskins is a big name, so uh, give me him for the win. Next matchup is, the I think, the second biggest first-round matchup of this tournament. Matthew Riddle versus Trent Seven. Another rematch from Progress in Orlando. Those two had a great matchup, and they're going to have another great matchup here. I love Trent Seven, but he is no king, and he's not my bro. All right, Matthew Riddle is both. He's a king, and he's my bro, and he's the Progress Atlas champion for a reason. He's one of the best in the world right now. Give me Matt Riddle to knock off Trent Seven. Yeah, this, I think this by far is the most difficult matchup in the first round to predict. Give me Matt Riddle as well. I mean, uh, it's going to be tough to see Trent Seven going out of this tournament so early, but it's Matt Riddle is just hot right now. He is red hot, and I just don't see him getting eliminated here uh, against Trent Seven. You know, WWN champ, he's on top of the world right now, so give me Matt Riddle for the win. And they'll face the winner of Jeff Cobb making his uh, progress debut. So good for Jeff Cobb there. He'll take on Nathan Cruz. Easy pick here. Jeff Cobb is one of the strongest, if not the strongest man in wrestling today. He's a freak of nature. So give me Mr. Athletic to knock off Nathan Cruz. Yeah, I think uh, Jeff Cobb too. Again, not really familiar with Nathan Cruz. Again, a couple of uh, names in here I'm seeing for the first time. So give me Mr. Athletic for the win. All right, moving on to the second round. Tyler Bate versus Mark Haskins. Very tough pick here. I love Tyler Bate, but Mark Haskins has had some big opportunities in Progress Wrestling. I think he's going to knock off Tyler Bate for the win. 
Uh, interesting. I'm going to go with Tyler Bate then. I'm going to go with the opposite of you. Should be a great matchup, though, uh, but give me Tyler Bate. Matt Riddle versus Jeff Cobb. The Chosen Bros are facing each other once again. Uh, they, race, they recently fought each other, of course, at Evolve 85. They're facing each other yet again in progress. And for the second straight time, Matt Riddle is going to win this match. Again, no disrespect to Jeff Cobb, but Matt Riddle, like you said, Ryan, one of the hottest wrestlers in the world today. The current Progress Atlas champion, the WWN champion. Who better than Matt Riddle? He knocks off Jeff Cobb. Yeah, what a hard-hitting affair this one's going to be. But yeah, give me Matt Riddle as well. It's tough to not pick Matt Riddle. That's how good this guy is. Uh, it's going to be a great match, though, with Jeff Cobb if that indeed does happen. But give me Riddle for the win. And then we move ahead to the semifinals where you have Tyler Bate versus Matt Riddle. I have Mark Haskins versus Matt Riddle. I don't think it matters, Ryan. Matt Riddle, whoever he faces out of those two guys, is winning this matchup. He's the Atlas champion. I think with him being the champion, he's going to get an inch closer and closer to a world title matchup. And I think he gets an opportunity here. He beats Mark Haskins for me. And, and, who does, he, and does he beat Tyler Bate for you? He indeed does. I mean, uh, this would be an interesting matchup, but Matt Riddle, like you said, red hot right now. Nobody is beating him. And that leads us to the finals where you, Ryan, have Zach Sieber Jr. versus Matt Riddle. I have Jimmy Havoc versus Matt Riddle. This is tough. This is a tough pick for me. This is a tough pick for you, man. Uh, I'm picking Jimmy Havoc. I don't know why. I just think with Matt Riddle being the Progress Atlas champion, he will not get his opportunity for that title until after he drops the belt. Maybe he does drop the belt sometime very soon, but... With him being the champion, I think Jimmy Havoc's going to get the opportunity. I mean, he's due for a big match with Pete Dunne again. They've had a great history together. Why not see it again? Give me Jimmy Havoc for me to win the Progress Super Strong Style 16 tournament. So give me Jimmy Havoc for the win. Yeah, I'm going to go with Zach Sabre Jr. Like you said, Matt Riddle's the champ. So, again, I don't think, obviously, it wouldn't really make sense uh, if he wins this match. But, uh, again, Zach Sabre Jr., Looking to maybe become, you know, Zachy Four Belts again. I just think, you know, he's too good right now. He is just like Matt Riddle. He's red hot. They're both red hot. I mean, you know, in the w the WWN, they're both red hot. So it's pretty interesting if this actually comes down to it in the finals. But I'm going to go with Zach Sabre Jr. to knock off Matt Riddle. So there you have it. I got Jimmy Havoc over Matt Riddle. Ryan has Zach Sabre Jr. over Matt Riddle. And I do believe whoever wins this matchup, is um, uh, guaranteed a title match with Pete Dunne at some point in, down the road for Progress Wrestling. And speaking of Progress Wrestling, Ryan, August the 12th in New York City, Progress Wrestling will be coming to New York City. And guess what? Myself and Ryan, the Royal Rumble Boys, will be in the house at Progress Wrestling in New York City, August the 12th. Cannot wait for that. So, again, guys, it's a long time away right now. But overall, when that, match, when that show happens, cannot wait for it. So, should be a good one. Uh, that's all the time we got, people. Again, thank you guys for tuning in. If you did, again, you guys, if you happen to miss us live on interiorradio.com, you can hit the subscribe button. Give us a like. Give us a rating on iTunes and on Stitcher. The episode, today's episode, should be up tomorrow on iTunes and Stitcher. Some point tomorrow. Give us a rating, guys. Subscribe to our podcast. We would love to see you guys get involved with us. Give you guys a, uh, give us an opinion uh, on us. You know the gist, guys. Again, if you want to follow us on social media, Go right ahead on Twitter at Royal Ramble IYR. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Royal Ramble Wrestling. And follow us on Instagram as well at Royal Ramble Wrestling, guys. We do a lot of stuff on the Instagram page. Hopefully we get more stuff on Facebook and Twitter as well. We'll be back next week, guys, again. Same time, same channel. It's your radio.com, 4 p.m. Eastern time. We're going to have a lot to talk about. We're going to have to talk about what happened this weekend. 
with Progress Wrestling. Give our reactions to the winner. Also, some news, of course, more stuff on WWE, Raw, SmackDown Live, NXT, as we are gearing up for Extreme Rules, Money in the Bank are coming up, the Women's Classic, or AKA now the May Young Classic, will be talked about as we inch closer and closer. So, it should be a good show next week. Hopefully, you guys tune in and stay tuned to see what happens next. We hopefully get more guests on the show at some point in the future. So, thank you guys for tuning in. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the Super Strong Style 16 tournament. Enjoy Wrestle Circus as well, which is going on this weekend. We'll see you guys next week again. Thursday, 4 p.m. Eastern, itsyourradio.com. I'm Brian Sendek. He's Ryan Martorano. This has been the Royal Rumble Wrestling Podcast. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll see you next week here on itsyourradio.com.